You're listening to Fanholes, a podcast for fans by the fans. Secret Brothers. I have clinical. You guys are like wasting my time right now. Hey, baby. What's <laughs> going on? This is my microphone voice. <laughs> Where do you buy those at? I need one. Yeah, I don't know what the fuck is going on. I didn't invent honorable mentions, mister. <laughs> I have a headset. It looks way cool. You should all be jealous. I, uh, we are. I'm with Mike on that one. I'm a woman! <laughs> it is our show. It's called Fan Holes, not, you know, what you guys want. <laughs> <laughs> We do a podcast? What the fuck? You're not attempting to silence the fan holes? The pop culture podcast made for the fans by the fans? I've only come here to make evildoers atone for their sins. Don't play coy! Because of you, I lost my lead on the fan holes! That's too bad. How reckless has hatred consumed you? Hear the voice of Thanatos and the Fanholes Podcast. The pop culture podcast made for the fans by the fans. Welcome back to another heroific episode of Fanholes Podcast. Hey, what's up, guys? This is Derek, Derek WC. I'm going to be one of your hosts tonight. And joining me tonight are two, count them, two of my fellow Fanholes. Hey, guys, why don't you give a shout-out and let everybody know who's here tonight. It's Mike Thunderwing. Let's hero up. Oh, wait, wrong show. Hey guys, this is Tony, and, you know, sometimes superheroes are gay. Not there's anything wrong with that. So we are going to be discussing Tiger and Bunny the Rising tonight. Tiger and Bunny the Rising is a feature-length anime film that is based on the anime series Tiger and Bunny. And this was actually, the film that we're going to be discussing was actually released February 8th, 2014 in Japan, but us Westerners have just recently received it. I think I got the the Blu-ray around the tail end of February of this year, 2015, and I had been kind of itching to discuss it with some of my fellow fan holes, kind of maybe share some of the wealth. I know we have discussed the series previously before on the fan holes podcast proper on an anime dare, and it was basically Brian's dare, you know, because I sort of got him into Tiger and Bunny, and I, I'm pretty sure you, you watched the first episode as well, right, Tony? 
Uh, yeah, actually, I watched the first two or three, but yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. Familiar. You, yeah. You've seen some episodes and stuff like that. And, I mean, just, just to give the basic high-level overview of what Tiger and Bunny is, in case certain listeners haven't listened to that Anime Dare podcast, I mean, I always like to say Tiger and Bunny is like Booster Gold meets American Idol. Like, there are... A group of superheroes. It's not just one like Booster Gold, but there are a group of superheroes, and they're in a competition that is televised. So there's the aspect of reality TV, but these are genuine superheroes. They're going out fighting crimes and stopping it, but in the process of televising it, they assign points based on who gets certain arrests and who makes certain saves and all that kind of stuff. And in the meantime, all of their costumes are decked out, kind of like Johnny Storm in the Fantastic Four movie when he was trying to get sponsors, and he had that like one Fantastic Four comic with like all those logos all over it. I mean, this is literally kind of what it's like. Like, all the very superheroes have various sponsors and it can be anybody from Domino's Pizza to you know Bandai to SH Figure Arts to whatever and so you've got all these different logos and sponsors on all the different heroes costumes and paraphernalia and everything like that. The, it kind of reminds me of uh, also uh, Captain Amazing from Mystery Men if you remember that movie. Yeah, 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 that's that's very similar to that as well, yeah, definitely. But that's, that's just kind of the high level elevator pitch overview View of the actual series, and and there there is a large cast of characters, and in this film we're actually introduced to some new characters. Basically, the the anime and the films are all written by the same guy. It's Masafumi Nishida, so there is some consistency in that arena. the The direction of the anime is not the same guy. The guy who directed this film is Yoshitomo Yotanani. Okay, I think I'm saying that right. Yonetani. Okay, Yonetani. Yonetani. See, i got to practice these things if I don't have a, uh, a video to edit and then I say it a couple different times, but yeah. So anyway, he directed the film, and, and that's not the same guy who directed the anime series, but basically... Everybody in that universe has superpowers, and kind of like in other superhero universes, whether they call them like metahumans or mutants or mutates or, you know, I don't know, whatever they decide to call the superhuman people, you know, powers or, you know, whatever. Yeah, miracles, whatever whatever the name for it is. In this particular world, they're referred to as next, like nexts. And that is actually short for noted entities with extraordinary talents. So I think Professor X would be really keen on that descriptor. But basically, Professor X is probably like, get my lawyers. Yeah. He's like, (laughs) I I won't be suing soon. Yeah, exactly. So, but these these heroes, they all operate out of a city called Stern Build City, and it's pretty. Americanized, I mean, as far as, as looks go, and, and then it's also kind of like this fanciful city, kind of like if, if you guys remember, you know, if listeners remember the anime series Big O, you know, that, that it's, it's this kind of, it, it's weird, it's like it's sort of set in the future, but it's also set kind of in a future kind of similar to Gundam, where the, the, if you look at the dates and the chronology of when 
Barnaby was when when he was a young man versus when his parents died, and then the chronology now. I think they call it something like NC is the descriptor. So instead of you know AD or instead of like with Mobile Suit Gundam, you know it's it's the Universal Century, so it's UC, and then it, it sort of makes the date a little timeless in a way because you're like, well, when did NC start? Who the fuck knows? You know, it could have started in you know. 50 years after, you know, 2015, or it could have started, you know, a thousand years after 2015, you know what I mean? It doesn't, it, it doesn't really matter. Yeah, they got, like, you know, futuristic cars and bikes, but they also have blimps flying around, too, so, yeah. Yeah, it, it, it kind of has that, that timeless aroma of, of things like Big O or Batman the Animated Series, where there's all these different, you know, I mean, it's, it's modern, but then it's also got kind of classical architecture and statues and, and things like that as well. So, so, you know, but it's, it's, it's an interesting city that they all operate out of and live in and everything like that. And then I guess just going right into the story, we're, we're going to assume uh, maybe a little bit that beyond this, this little intro that, that you may have listened to, you know, some of the previous shows. So we're not going to go into the, the actual series all that much, but we are going to talk about the, the animated film, the rising tonight. And, the film The Rising basically is set after the anime series. And also, I, I did want to mention, I did sort of mention to both our, our my fellow fan hole, our fellow fan hole, uh, Brian, and I did mention this to Mike as well, I think, and Tony when we were preparing for this, but it, it's also set after the events of the film Tiger and Bunny, The Beginning. Now, it's funny, because when I was preparing for this show, I was telling them, I'm like, man... I, I was I was had because you know you pop in Tiger and Bunny the beginning and it's like the first couple episodes like a compilation film and I thought the entire thing was a compilation film but actually in preparing for the show tonight I learned that after the 50 minute mark it's actually a new story so it's like it's it's one of those hour and a half films but the first 50 minutes is basically the first two episodes like strung together as a compilation movie but then after that point then then it becomes a new adventure with like a new villain that they all fight against so i didn't actually realize that so anyway i'm just correcting my mistake cuz cuz i was i was wrong but well, that's the one I don't think I've ever bitched about that on the show, but I know I've mentioned it to to Brian and Mike, so I was I was wrong about that. There is some new story elements to that to that film, but basically this film, The Rising, is set after that film and the events of the anime series. So basically, we open up in a business meeting room where Ben Jackson, who is Tiger's old boss and kind of his mentor, is giving this presentation on the bottom line of the hero business division. So they're basically, you know, all these facts and figures and there's these screens and all, all this kind of business-oriented presentations are going on in the background. And then another character that you would be familiar with had you watched the anime series is Alexander Lloyds, who was Tiger and Bunny's manager, and he quickly butts in, and he's emphasizing that they are making a profit with Hero TV, but there is this one exception being the Second League group of heroes, basically, and they are under contract, but they're actually losing money for Hero TV. And then we cut to a purchase 
a purse snatching that is in progress. So in the middle of this business meeting, which is oh so exciting, we cut to this purse snatching that's currently in progress, and we see these second-level heroes, these second-league heroes that they are talking about in the business meeting, and they're actually trying to stop the the mugger from stealing this purse. And so first up, we are introduced to... Because we've never actually seen these characters before. They haven't been... Well, I guess that's not entirely true. We, we, we see them sort of at the tail end of the anime, but this is probably the first time we've seen them sort of really in action, in full action. The, the first guy we see is Sumo Thunder, and he basically expels these salty sweat things from his palms. And, you know, that it's kind of like these guys are kind of like the... What would you call them? Like the the Legion of Substitute the Heroes, the Great Lakes Avengers, the Great Lakes Avengers. You know, they're kind of like the Morts. You know, they you know, or or basically, if you if you listen to the the series itself, you know, they're they're the second league, so they're they're not quite first league. You know, in terms of baseball, they're just the minor leagues, not the majors. You know, so basically, most of our main protagonists are the majors, or they were part of the majors and have been kind of bumped back to the minor leagues or whatever, and that kind of thing. So. So, yeah, so these these guys are kind of Great Lake Avengers or Legion of Substitute Heroes, you know, if you're familiar with either of those. They're not they're not quite, you know, they're they're kind of green rookies and they're not they don't really have the greatest power sets in the world. They're the guys you call when like you can't get anybody else. You call these guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, these are the guys that are gonna like rescue the cats from the trees and like help an old lady walk yeah. across the street and do those kinda like, you know, things, but but when you know, when Darkseid shows up and starts, you know, blowing up the universe, it's like it's not like these guys can do a whole hell of a lot, basically. The mugger continues to cross a bridge, so he's still on the run and everything. And there's a second leaguer, and he's known as Chop Man. And basically Chop Man's superpower is he can enlarge his hands. But the problem being that he makes his hands so large that in the middle of this bridge he actually gets his hands stuck between the girders in the bridge before he can even deliver, like, a giant chop blow to this mugger. So he sort of incapacitates himself as he's trying to stop the mugging and everything. And then we see, as this mugger continues to run across the bridge and make his getaway, there's another of the, you know, minor league guys, and this character is named Bomberman, and he kind of laughably challenges the purse snatcher. He's like, come on, bro, come on, come at me, man, come at me. But he's in the water. And the purse snatcher obviously is not going to stop running across the bridge and dive into the water and go mano a mano with him. So he just kind of looks and is like, are you fucking crazy? And then he keeps running, you know? So it's like, this guy's kind of, you know, worthless or whatever. So it's like, oh, he's just kind of like, what? Why are you running away, bro? You know? I, I immediately <laughs> thought of Aquaman. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it, is a, it is a very slight on the sort of the, the interpretation or the, the view that, you know, Super Friends Aquaman, it's like, what can he do out of water type thing? And, and this is, I mean, he, this guy's even worse than Aquaman because conceivably he cannot control sea life. He can't, I mean, he doesn't even seem to want to get out of the water. So it's it's that it's that yeah. stereotype of Aquaman, like taken to the nth degree, and it is kind of it, it is kind of laughable. It's very funny. Hey you, huh? over here! 
Did you guys even stall him? And then the last of the minor league crew that we are introduced to is Miss Violet. And Miss Violet's superpower, again, kind of like the Legion of Substitute Heroes, having really kind of lame powers, is apparently she can throw her fingernails at bad guys. And she's got these green painted fingernails, and they're kind of like, I don't know, they're, they're like little uh, uh, thorns or something like that. And she basically, like, she, she, she throws the fingernails, they hit this guy in the ass, and he's like, oh, and then he just keeps running. So it's not like it did a whole hell of a lot to to stop the purse snatcher and everything. I kept thinking of Meg from that episode of Family Guy where she could make her fingernails grow. It's like, wow, oh, that's, yeah. that's a great power, Meg. He's like, ow! That really hurt. Is that blood? No, but ouch, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 So, so yeah, the, these guys are, are not really, you know, at the top of their game or anything, so they're not really stopping the mugger. And then, of course, the leader of this ragtag bunch of minor leaguers is one of our main protagonists. It is Wild Tiger also known as Kotetsu Kaburagi. And he's basically like the, the main protagonist. We, we were joking about this before that, you know, if, if Tony and I had a show, it would actually just be Tiger and Tiger because we're both the old guys of the fan halls or whatever. And so that's, I mean, it's funny. Like, I, I think the reason why Brian likes the show so much is I think he is, I don't know, he is, he is bunny to our tiger you know he's kind of like come on old man (laughs) and all this kind of stuff and he you know he's more into the you know i i I would think there is that dichotomy between the two characters i mean they're they're designed to butt heads and have a conflict occasionally and stuff like that and they do sort of represent different facets of of superhero archetypes you know wild tiger started out in kind of a classic superhero costume with tights and a mask and a cape and he's very, very much cool yeah. yeah very old school very you know dc comics like gold and silver age kind of vibe you know he's of the view like you got to keep your identity secret you know all those kind of things whereas bunny when he first shows up on the scene he's in this big fancy suit of armor i mean it's it's very much of its time in the sense that you know it's it's coming off the heels of iron man being a very successful marvel movie and i I think you can't help but think of iron man when you think of the tiger and bunny armors and everything so and then and then much like iron man you know bunny is much of the opinion you know oh who cares about a secret identity you know i am iron man type thing so there's there's that kind of dichotomy between the two characters and they have different ways of going about things but of course of over the course of the series you know they do become partners and friends and so basically you know normally on the actual anime series wild tiger's power is he has the hundred times power and this is also what bunny barnaby jr his power is as well, and basically that just makes him a hundred times stronger than he would normally be. And the caveat of the power is, though, it only normally lasts for five minutes. So he's kind of like he's kind of like Our Man, but for like five minutes, sort of, I guess, in terms of the power set or whatever. But basically, towards the end of the anime, he was getting to the point where his power would only last less and less and less. So basically by the end of this the anime series he's with these 
you know, second string group of heroes, and you know, they've they've kind of timed his power out to where it lasts for about a minute. So of course, when we're introduced to him in this film, he's there to swoop in and and stop this mugger, basically. But you you know, you already notice his power has already run out by the time he catches up to this mugger and takes back the purse. And you know, even though his powers have run out, Wild Tiger basically is like, oh, okay. I'm going to collar this guy, you know, and and get the purse back and everything. But then before he knows it, the roofing they're standing on falls out from underneath him, and he crashes below into a bunch of these steel beams and everything. And the purse snatcher, of course, did not fall with him. So, again, this purse snatcher is, you know, the most vile, evil villain in the universe, and he's once again on the run and everything. And then that's when, of course, we're introduced to Bunny, a.k.a. Barnaby Brooks Jr., and he arrives on the scene, and he's basically, okay, come on, Kotetsu, you know, get it in gear, let's get your shit together, and go after this guy and everything. And, you know, Bunny's pretty quick, he gets his name from Kotetsu, it's a nickname, so of course, he quickly, like, hops after the bad guy in his suit of armor, and of course, he's got these kind of ear-like protrusions that come out of the top of his mask, so kind of like the characters in Appleseed or, you know, whatever other anime you can think of. I know me, myself, I've always made the joke. I always thought Briarios was a big bunny rabbit guy, you know, so so I yeah. get what, to me, like, I'm like, that's another thing that me and Tiger have in common. Like, I get the bunny thing because I was always like, hey, who's this fucking bunny guy? You know, like, that That makes sense to me. I guess I should also uh, just mention real quick, it's kind of interesting that all the second stringers like, all the main guys, the first league, they all have kind of, like, the same outfits of a bunny where they have, like, armor bits here and there. They're very, you know, decked out. You know, they look like they have really expensive uniforms. These guys look like they, like, put together their, like, uniforms at, like, Goodwill. So, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, they're, yeah, they are kind of that whole substitute hero vibe going on. They're not quite in the major leagues where they've got, you know, product placement up the wazoo or anything like that. They're, they're you know, not exactly... You know, people aren't beating down their doors for sponsorship deals. It's not like somebody's like, please, you know, please, sumo guy, sell my Wheaties and then sweat <laughs> in the bowl of Wheaties or whatever it is you do. You know? like, which, which, of course, makes it sad that Tiger is like, you know, even though he's the leader, he's like with these guys, you know, you kind of feel bad for him. Well, you know, the, I think the aspect with Tiger is it's supposed to be like he's in semi-retirement, but he's still out there fighting the good fight, even though he, he you know, can't last, uh, basically, you know, not not to make a sexual joke or anything, but basically as far as superhero, <laughs> you know, he can't last as long as he used to, you know, kind of thing, so, you know. Bunny basically quickly captures the purse snatcher, and basically, you know, all the second stringers, like you're talking about, they, they come out of the woodwork, and they're like, oh, Mr. Bunny-san, like, you're the shit, bro, like, you're awesome, you're so great, and all this other kind of stuff, and, and basically even the crowd that's that's kind of watching and appeared around this whole incident is, of course, you know, cheering for Bunny and everything like that, and, you know, like we mentioned, Tiger and Bunny, they don't always see eye-to-eye on everything, and they, they again bring up the whole secret identity thing, you know, where he's like, you know, oh, what, what, you know, I think the somebody from the crowd is like, good job, Kotetsu, and he's kind of like, I'm, I'm Wild Tiger, you're not, you're not supposed to know my secret identity, even though everybody kind of knows what his secret identity is. 
yeah, yeah, like, like Bunny, he doesn't go by Bunny. The only person who calls him that is Kotetsu. He goes by Barnaby Brooks Jr. <laughs> yeah, that, that basically is his, you know, Barnaby is his superhero name, basically, yeah. Then we, we transition, and we're now in sort of the recreation room of the other superheroes from this series and everything. And so this is where we're basically reintroduced to the main supporting cast of, of superheroes other than Tiger and Bunny. And so we've got Fire Emblem, who's also known as Nathan Seymour, and, you know, he's kind of like the, obviously, as the name says, he, you know, can, he's kind of like pyrokinetic in a way, you know, he can shoot out fire and everything like that, and, you know, generate fire, you know, from, from his own body and stuff like that. And he's congratulating Blue Rose, a.k.a. Karina Lyle, on her latest TV appearance, and he's kind of teasing her because there's this kind of unspoken thing, you know, she, she kind of has feelings for Kotetsu, and, but it's, it kind of goes on said but he's he's basically teasing her about you know what about your old man with the with the beard and all that kind of stuff and then he also kind of mentions because as as tony previously mentioned in the introduction you know fire emblem you know not too subtle but he is he is a gay superhero fire emblem he's he's a flaming superhero and he's gay and he he also notes that he misses his quote-unquote handsome too so basically if if you hadn't been watching the series you might not know but that's a reference to bunny because that's kind of his nickname for bunny his handsome you know because he thinks he's a good-looking kid and that's uh, it's kind of funny you know the fire emblem basically makes a habit of you know playing a lot of grab ass with all his male teammates. That's that's something that happens often on the series, much to the chagrin of, of the teammates that are straight, where they're like, what are you doing? You know, and Fire Emblem will be like, I just like playing with the junk in the trunk down there. Woo! Or whatever, you know, whatever his thing is. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah, he's not just uh, openly gay. He's flamboyantly gay, yes, very much yeah, so. Well, you know, he's, he's, like I said, it's not too subtle, but he's, a, he's clearly a flaming... A flaming superhero in more ways than one, you know, so. Do you think our friend might have been watching as well? The old man with the beard. Huh? Don't you play innocent with me, sugar. I miss my handsome hunk Barnaby as well. Don't want me in with you. Blue Rose, by the way, has ice power. She, but more like Mr. Free, she uses guns to use her ice powers. Yes, yeah, so she, she, yeah, uses her, her pistols and everything to basically, like, freeze criminals or, you know, whatever she needs to freeze to get the job done. And, of course, for some reason, I'm like, okay, Blue Rose is pretty cute, pretty hot, but then she likes, or I don't know if she really likes it, but she's clearly a big-time sponsor of Pepsi Next, and, you know, I can't... (laughs) I can't stand Pepsi, so you gotta wonder. You're like, oh, it's like, oh, it's that really hot girl. But then you gotta, you gotta drink Pepsi to be with the hot girl. It's like, uh, you know. So anyway, there's that about it too. <laughs> so, I go to her, yeah, go to her house, like, like, go to her house. It's like, I made this really nice dinner. It's like, you know, catered by the most expensive French chefs. Would you like a Pepsi Max to go with it? Like, yeah. <laughs> like, the second choice cola. And of course. Then continuing the look across the rec room and being reintroduced to the the cast of supporting heroes, we also are introduced or reintroduced to Rock Bison, also known as Antonio Lopez. 
And he is profusely apologizing to Sky High, also known as Keith Goodman, because you can see in a magazine he's been copying Sky High's signature pose, and he's like, oh, I'm so sorry, I don't know what came over me. I just felt natural, and I did it, and everything. Rock Bison is kind of like the big bruiser of this crew. I mean, he, he's got the, the imposing size. He's a, he's a tall guy to begin with, and then they encase him in this huge tank-like samurai armor with drills and bits, and he's he's kind of like the strong guy of the group, pretty much. And he's kind Scott, of slow, too. But he's not the fastest guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, he, yeah. I mean, I mean, like, literally, he, he just doesn't get around fast, you know. Sky High is basically, I, I mean, I kind of think of him as, like, his civilian identity is kind of like Hal Jordan. Like, he's kind of like this upstanding straight guy that's pretty good-looking, and he, he kind of looks like a, a, a pilot, almost. And, of course, in his, his superhero mode, it, it's more kind of an armored, you know, helmeted look. So it, it's almost like if Hal Jordan, like, had the Rocketeer's backpack and his headdress, like, you'd kind of get Sky High, but his his next ability is to actually generate wind or levitate himself, you know, that kind of thing. And you might be wondering, like, why he would need a jetpack if he could levitate himself, but it's more kind of like the kid from My Secret Identity where he needed, like, the aerosol cans to sort of propel him around, so it's almost like he's got to get up some decent speed before he can fly around and and do all these cool wind generations and stuff like that. And then, of course, you might be wondering, you know, Rock Bison also, you know, most of these guys have suits of armor, so it's not just like Iron Man where it's a normal guy in a suit of armor. Like, usually they do have some kind of next ability. And, of course, Rock Bison's is kind of like his name implies. I mean, he basically becomes kind of like Unus the Untouchable or the Juggernaut or something. He kind of, his his power is, you know, he basically is kind of, you know, he's solid as a rock, you know, not, not subtle, <laughs> but, you know, that, that's basically his, his superpower. I was just going to say, it should be mentioned at the beginning of this uh, movie and from the anime, like, Sky High is the most popular hero. He's the leader of the group, and he's also the most popular and as the beginning of this movie, Rock Bison is like, as far as the points go, he's the lowest ranked member of the first league. He hasn't had a big win in a long time, so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Sky High is labeled as the king of heroes and everything like that. I'm like, I'm like, I thought that should be obvious when I described him as Hal Jordan. <laughs> no, anyway. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. I'm like, well, yeah. And also, we are reintroduced to Dragon Kid also known as Huang Paolin, and Origami Cyclone, also known as Ivan Carolyn. And they're sparring there in the background, kind of discussing what, what Rock Bison and Sky High are talking about with the magazine and everything. Mike might be interested. I don't know. I, I, I know we, we haven't actually brought this up for the listening audience or anything. Like me, I'm normally a big fan of the dubs. And of course, when I first got this on Blu-ray, I listened to the English dub. Most of the anime series I've watched in English. I've watched a few episodes. I think when I first started watching the show, I watched the first couple episodes on Hulu. And it is the anime series, if you're listening to this and, and you're not aware, the anime series is for free on Hulu that you can watch. But it is it is the Japanese language version and then it's got subtitles. And I know when I was 
thinking about getting the Blu-rays, I tried it out on Hulu first. So I've listened to a few episodes in Japanese, and then when I rewatched this for the purposes of this show, I watched the Japanese language version. And the reason why I go into all that is I just wanted to mention to Mike that Origami Cyclones VA is the same VA who does Dean Venture. So it's kind of it's kind of funny to hear on on the English dub because every once in a while you're like that's Dean Venture. That's not true. You may not be the most popular guy on the block, but the way you go after the criminals head on makes you a bona fide hero. Think so? Well, in comparison, all I'm able to do is use my shape-shifting to attack from behind. It makes me kind of a cowardly hero, and not really in a position to be of much help to Tiger. <laughs> Dean? <laughs> yeah, that's why so. that's funny. I had that same problem watching the last Ninja Turtles cartoon where he was Leonardo. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just real quick, Origami Cyclone has, like, stealthy ninja magic where he can, like, make copies of himself and, like, you know, confuse enemies. And Dragon Kid is uh, electricity. Electricity girl or guy? Is she a girl or a guy? <laughs> She's a girl. She's definitely a girl. Okay. Okay, I kept getting confused. <laughs> yeah, she's the Japanese voice. The Japanese voice sounds a lot like a little boy. And I could tell it was a girl because of her costume, but I was like, it's, 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 because, you know, cross-dressing is a thing in Japan, you know? She's, she's definitely supposed to be younger, I think. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't hesitate to guess what the age is. I mean, I, I would guess she's maybe like 15 or 16 or maybe even younger. I mean, they, I, I forget, they may even say in the anime exactly how old she is or whatever, but I don't, I don't think she's quite, yeah, it just, you know, she's, she's probably a teenager or a young adult at the very least, you know? Yeah, it did throw me when she was in costume. I was like, that's a girl. But whenever she's out of costume, I'm like, that looks so much. Because she's got, like, short hair, too, and all that stuff. I'm just like, the idea is maybe she's kind of like a tomboy, you know? Like, she wears the, the jumpsuit, kind of like the Kill Bill jumpsuit and everything. And, and she's kind of, you know, she's into doing the, the kung fu fighting and, like, the whole, you know, Shaolin electricity thing, you know, like it just seemed like that's kind of where where her head's at. Like she's always like training, yeah, yeah. that kind of stuff. Yeah. Thanks for going into the the power sets and all that kind of stuff. Then then once we're sort of introduced to this entire cast or reintroduced to the entire cast of you know basically the major leagues, Agnes Jobert, who is the hero TV producer alerts the heroes that there's actually this bank robbery in progress. And meanwhile, while Tiger has bought his, his second league minor team lunch, and they're actually watching the first string team, the heroes, on this giant billboard TV screen. And so then they basically go on to the attack mode, and Rock Bison, Fire Emblem, and Dragon Kid launch the first assault against the bank robbers. So like we've been mentioning, you know, Rock Bison, kind of solid as a rock, tries to go in there head first and kind of smashes into a bunch of stuff, because like Tony said, he's not he's not always the smartest guy in the room or whatever. And Fire Emblem is, you know, shooting fire all over the place, and Dragon Kid is doing her, like, electric staff and taking out all the bank robbers 
choppers and everything. In the middle of all this, Origami Cyclone basically is using his shape-shifting abilities, his chameleon-like abilities, and he sneaks up on one of the perps and everything like that. And then Blue Rose appears and actually freezes the bank robber. So it, I, I assume it's non-lethal freezing, but you know you, you, you have to sort of turn your brain off for that because most of these people she freezes, like at least in that scene, like it looks like he's pretty well encased. It's not like, you know, there's any, you know, chance for him to breathe or whatever, but whatever. Think of, like, Arnold Schwarzenegger from Batman and Robin. That's pretty much what she's doing, yeah. Yeah. Can you can you be cold, Blue Rose? Yeah. <laughs> Stay cool, bad boy. Yeah, so that, yeah, that's kind of what's going on there, except for it's, it's happening to a bad guy instead of Chris O'Donnell. Your mileage may vary. <laughs> And then some of the robbers attempt to escape via car, but of course Sky High is quickly pursuing them, and, you know, this is the point where he's, you know, in his full regalia, you know, he's got his, his outfit with the the sort of rocketeer-like helmet and the jetpack and everything, and then he uses his wind next abilities, basically, and he kind of turns the entire getaway car, like, almost up, upside down, and then it ends up landing, like, upright in a bunch of tires and stuff in this junkyard and everything. So basically, you know, like Tony was saying, he is the the hero with the most points, and it's basically he's the one who basically brought these bank robbers to justice in terms of that reality TV show concept, you know, even though everybody sort of contributed and, and, and did different things probably to save people. Like, he's the one who gets the big points because he basically lands the, the quote-unquote arrest and everything. It's supposed to show the parallel between the second league and the first league. It's like, this is why they're the first league, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like they they get the job done and and they take care of business. And it's not like it's not like the the, the bank robbers make a getaway, but it's not like it was in the other situation where the, it was just a lone purse snatcher and he gave him so much trouble. And it took Bunny like two seconds to take the purse snatcher out. And you know, speaking of Bunny, you know he he's kind of itching to step up his game for for the next season because he's thinking you know into the future like he wants to get back into the major leagues. You know he wants to get back into the first league of hero TV stuff. I don't know, Kotetsu is kind of like happy sort of where he is and everything at this point. And then we, we basically cut to noted information technology entrepreneur who's named Mark Schneider. And basically he was the guy who was attending that business meeting that we were talking about earlier when the film first opened. And it turns out he's buying out Apollo Media and effectively becoming Tiger and Bunny's new owner and sponsor. So now he's got this whole cadre of new employees and people there that are working for him. He's got, like, his assistant, Mr. Virgil, and everything. And so he basically, like, it's weird because he kind of talks about how he considered outright firing the both of them, which they kind of are like, oh, shit, you know? And then he abruptly decides, no, 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 I was just kidding about that. I'm actually going to promote you guys mid-season to first string. And they're kind of like, oh, wow, we're going to be promoted? And it's like, how does that work? Like, I thought you couldn't do that. And it's like, don't worry about it. We're going to do it. Is it good? Take your time. What an awful noise. It's creepy. Meanwhile, 
creepy noise results in a series of windows exploding, kind of, you know, Superman doomsday punching each other style, where, like, all the windows in the block, like, basically explode out and everything. Really terrifying a cat lady. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, the cat lady is shitting her pants, and the cats are all meowing up <laughs> Up a storm. Then, I guess, back in Wild Tiger's apartment, Kotetsu is actually talking to his daughter over the phone, and his daughter's name is Kayede, and she's basically reading him this poem because it's for some kind of school report about, you know, the the poems about the sun, and she doesn't really get it and everything. And, he, I mean, he's kind of not all there. He's not really paying attention too much and everything. And you don't know why exactly he's so distracted, but we're going to find out in a few minutes. And meanwhile, Apollo Media has thrown this huge press conference because, you know, basically you're thinking, oh, well, they're going to, they're going to, announce the return of, of, you know, the heroic duo, like Tiger and Bunny are going to be back. You know, that's basically what we're all led to believe. And all of our heroes are backstage, and they're all in their civilian outfits, and they're sort of waiting to appear on stage with Kotetsu and Barnaby and everything. And they go into, basically, you know, Mark Schneider shows up. And, you know, he's kind of like this, you know, Bill Gates-type guy. You know, he comes on, and it's supposed to be like he's sort of like this celebrity IT personality and everything. And he introduces Bunny to the, the audience at the reception and everything. And, you know, on the TV screen in the back, you know, you kind of get, I mean, if you're not super familiar with the Tiger and Bunny anime and you don't know all the details, this kind of gives you, like, the cliff notes on... Barnaby's origin, you know, that, that, you know, his, his parents were murdered and he avenged their deaths and went after this organization called Ouroboros and everything. So they, they kind of give you like the, the, you know, three second version of his life story from the TV series and everything, you know, cause it's like, you're like, oh, okay, he's, he's kind of like, besides having that Iron Man aspect of a cool modern superhero, you know, I guess he also has that cool modern Batman, you know, my parents are dead, and I'm moody and broody, because, like, they're dead, you know, and everything. So he's got, he's kind of got that Batman broody thing going on for his, his backstory and everything like that. And, and then, of course, we're all led to believe that, you know, Wild Tiger is going to be the other guy introduced and everything. And there's all this buildup, and everybody's like, wow, they really went all out for Wild Tiger. Wow, this is going to be, what an introduction. And then, of course, the, the rug is pulled out from under them, uh, under under them, and basically to the shock of pretty much everybody in attendance, they introduce a brand new hero who is named Golden Ryan. And he is also known as Ryan Goldsmith. Apparently, he was a big-time hero somewhere in another continent. They don't really go into details about it, but I guess that's why he gets this big build-up, because he was off being a hero elsewhere that, you know, was not in the animated series until this point and everything. And they call him the Gravity Prince. And I guess the best way I could describe his superpower is it's kind of like, if you've been watching Common Rider Drive, and in the middle of Common Rider Drive, there's this weird phenomenon that they refer to as the heaviness. And when the heaviness hits, basically everybody gets really slow or they get pulled down to the ground or whatever. And so that, that's kind of what happens. It's like basically everything goes to like, you know, 
you know, I guess, I guess, it, like in Dragon Ball, when they train and you know, it's like I'm going to train in a hundred times Earth Earth's gravity or whatever. It's like basically that's Golden Ryan's superpower. He can make a certain area, a certain radius, have you know intense G's basically, which basically usually sends most people you know, crashing into the pavement or, you know, wherever they are and stuff like that. So that's basically his next superpower. As far as I go, is when I saw him, I, like you said, they don't say where he's from, but just how he looks and the fact that his, his armor looks kind of griffinish, I, I'm going to go with European English probably is what they intended him to be from. Yeah, that's yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, I totally see that. He's got that whole lion, you know, brave kind of thing going on. Yeah, that makes sense. Like, I, I get that. It'd be interesting, though, because I, 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 you know, the his 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 VA definitely did not reflect that, though. I mean, if, if you're going to go for some stereotypical kind of like, you know, accent or something like that, that yeah, wasn't ooh, something. Yeah. That, that wasn't, that wasn't oh, a choice yeah. that they actually made or anything, which, but I, I see what you're saying, though. That is, that is an interesting idea. Now let me present the superhero! Oh, come on. Really? This is the welcome I get? Well, check this. As you can see, this is the power of the wandering gravity prince, Golden Ryan. In time, the world will bow at my feet. Mark my words. If we're all in the dark about, you know, what's going on, we get to see this instant flashback to basically events behind the scenes that no one but Kotetsu and his mentor, Ben Jackson, were privy to. And basically, they kind of call Kotetsu out as like a man past his prime. And they kind of say, look, the only way we could get Bunny to sign on to this deal was to lie to him and say that you were going to be a part of it. But, you know, there's no way we're going to keep you on board. Kotetsu kind of goes along with getting shafted just for the sake of Bunny. You know, it's for the sake of his friend and partner. And he had already been saying how he didn't really want to hold him back in the second string. And, you know, he still thinks that he's going to be part of the second league and everything so he figures well you know it's not so bad i still get to do my hero thing but you know it might not be with bunny but at least i still get to do it in the second string and everything and so that's kind of why he he made the decision not to rock the boat in that case and everything i I was gonna say is like if anybody who's watching this gets the idea that uh schneider is a giant douche go with that feeling (laughs) (laughs) yeah He's a big old bag of dicks. It's like, spoilers! It's like... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. But I guess next up, we, we see that there's this big alert about a crack in Amnethyst Tower, and that kind of brings out all the First League heroes onto the scene. And Bunny notes that when, he, when he's rushing out there, he kind of notices it's basically his and Tiger's old motorcycle which is called the double chaser and he's kind of looking at it now because in the past it reflected the colors of both 
Barnaby and Kotetsu, which were kind of like the neon green for Kotetsu, his wild tiger armor, and and kind of white. And then, you know, Bunny, of course, had the kind of white and kind of the neon red pinkish looking colors and everything. So the Double Chaser was basically a bike that had both of those incorporated where, you know, they could either or ride the shotgun and, you know, normally... In, in the scheme of things, you know, Barnaby would be the one in the driver's seat and Kotetsu would be the one riding shotgun and everything in the sidecar. And when he's looking at it now, he kind of has this moment of reflection where he's remembering some past episodes and things like that. But now it actually, the sidecar reflects Golden Ryan's colors instead of Wild Tiger. So there is that kind of, you know, bittersweet aspect to his reminiscing because it's obviously not not what's going on present day and everything. And, and kind of like the original dynamic between Tiger and Bunny, you know, Ryan and Bunny don't really get along either, you know? It's like, it's like basically he's, well, I, I wouldn't say Golden Ryan is Sean Connery, but there is that aspect where it's like, Junior! You know, and, and Barnaby's kind of like, do not Junior, you know, like, did you just call me Junior? Like, but that's, that's kind of what he's taken to calling him, so. I, I like to... It's kind of funny too like, because like, like I, I've I obviously know. I haven't I haven't seen the series, but like I like that like I, I clearly got that that Barnaby like drove and Kotetsu always complained that he was the one driving and he had to be like relegated to the sidecar or whatever. But uh, like Ryan, like he likes being relegated to the sidecar because he's like, yeah, drive me around, Junior. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's like. It's, like he, I don't know. I thought that was pretty funny. So I guess, like, that's what I was about to say. It's like he's a chauffeur. He's like, drive me around, Jeeves. I'm, I'm, and like he even leans back and got his like arms crossed behind his head, just like drive me around. Yeah, Alfred, fetch me my socks. You're driving. That gonna be a problem? Nope. That should work out perfectly. Ah, that's comfy. Let's get this buggy moving, Junior. Tell me, I misheard you. Did you just call me Junior? Meanwhile, Blue Rose is trying to support the collapsing tower with her ice beams. You know, she's trying to make these support beams out of ice so that the the existing support beams that are crumbling do not completely collapse and everything like that. But in the meantime, remember that cat lady and the strange weird noise? Well, that strange weird noise is back. And so the noise seems to take out all the electric power in the building, and it destroys these ice beams that Blue Rose had constructed so that they could halt the descent of the tower. And then Sky High comes onto the scene, and he's actually trying to hold up the falling tower by sort of rocketing forward and holding it in place and everything. And then Ryan and Bunny come in on the double chaser, and kind of like Tiger before him, Bunny is now more concerned with saving civilians than earning points for the reality show like Ryan. So kind of kind of like that whole, you know, Captain America getting crap from Hawkeye and then Hawkeye getting crap from U.S. Agent. It's kind of like full circle where, you know, Bunny was originally giving Tiger crap and now Golden Ryan is kind of giving 
bunny the crap in, in this situation and everything. Ryan then pins down the entire first league with his heaviness powers, and everybody's kind of like wondering, like, is that cheating? Like, what the fuck is he doing exactly and stuff? And I guess his goal was to use his heaviness powers to have these two radio towers fall into place like support beams to hold up the collapsing building. And then Bunny uses his hundred times powers to move within the heaviness and he so he can actually move within this gravity surge and then run around and start saving all the people so that they I guess get the the big points for that that superheroic action sequence on the reality TV show. I, just, I thought it was kind of interesting that like when uh, Golden Ryan does this, at first they think he's showing off and he's just trying to hog the limelight, but he actually does have a plan and it doesn't involve Bunny. It's like for him and Bunny to get the limelight, you know, both of them to like you know shine. And I thought that was kind of cool. It's like it could have just been like you know I'm the greatest. I want to save the day by myself, but he actually is working like a team member. He just didn't tell Bunny about it. <laughs> Yeah, the, the, he's just not in on the, the plan, basically, until until it's enacted. You're safe now. It was right in front of me. I saw it. I saw a monster trash that building. A huge shadow came across my window Please, and a big Matt, roar. calm down. Great work, Junior. That was a spectacular catch. You look very cool in action. One of the ladies that, that Bunny ends up saving is describing there's like some kind of monstrous shadow that that attacked during this sequence but you know nobody kind of really knows what she's talking about or everything and then Kotetsu meanwhile is kind of watching the new team's success on a TV screen in the middle of this Times Square type environment this is the point where we know that Mark Schneider is is you know a big giant dick face basically because he's presenting to stern build city's administration of justice and he, he kind of comes off as this nasty ass son of a bitch you know because it's like he, he he's kind of like well you know these nexts like they're not really human beings like so we don't really have to treat them like that you know so it's this kind of callous corporate kind of vibe that you get from him where he doesn't even want to acknowledge them as people. I mean, it's almost like you could, you know, basically say it's a, it's a borderline, you know, prejudiced or racist type thing where he doesn't even want to account for the, the people that he's employing, basically. So, and yeah, he's just trying product. to... They're a product that we make money off of, yeah. Yeah, so, and, and of course, you know, Snyder can kind of see the annoyance of one of the judges, and this is Yuri Petrov. And so if you've been watching the anime series, you would probably know that Yuri is actually the crazy vigilante known as Lunatic. I, I thought it might be interesting to mention here, even though I know my fellow fan halls were watching the Japanese version. On the English dub, Lunatic is actually voiced by Liam O'Brien, who we are familiar with as being like Gara from Naruto. I know we did the podcast about Asura's Wrath, and he was Asura. And then also, the most recent thing we've probably talked about with him in it was Gundam The Origin, Mike. So, because he was, he was Giren Zabi in that dub. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, I, I enjoy his work. I mean, I always think he has a cool, menacing voice for those kind of characters and everything. I mean, he, basically, this character is a judge by day, 
and this lethal punisher type vigilante by night of course his his costume is is way more outlandish and his next power is that he basically has a blue flame so he's kind of like fire emblem but it's a lot more controlled like where he can make these like flame arrows or you know whatever he needs to do with that that subset and you can see his eyes are usually like his eyebrows are almost like fiery and everything like that and and he kind of has this weird almost sadomasochistic looking outfit like he kind of looks like a colorful like blue and white version of the uh, Frankenstein character from Death Race 2000. Like, if you've ever seen that, the one with uh, Carradine, like, it's like he's got that weird, like, gimp, like, kind of mask or whatever that he's got on his face yeah, and stuff. Yeah, I mean, he's got, like, this, this smile pulled back and just has that weird kind of, like, not a happy smile, kind of like a hey smile. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, he can be compared to quite a few characters. I mean, immediately, like, you know, the Punisher and Scourge of the Underworld, like, characters like that come up. But he's got kind of like a, a craziness to him, kind of like Joker or Madcap, like this kind of lunacy, which hence the name, you know, lunatic. But I, I think the character that he reminds me of the most is I don't I don't know if either of you guys are familiar, but there the the version of the vigilante like not the cowboy version from the Justice League, but the version of the vigilante that was in the New Teen Titans was actually a lawyer by day named Adrian Chase. But then, you know, it was like by night, you know, he is the vigilante. Wasn't that the guy with the black outfit with like the goggles? Yes, yes, that's the same character. Yeah, he had a he had a DC UC Classics figure, and you know him and the Titans were always getting into skirmishes and stuff because it was always that whole, you know, you know, to me it's that antiquated thing of we don't kill, and and it's also kind of repeated in this case with these these heroes here, you know, like Lunatic's idea of justice is, you know, to to you know basically exterminate the criminal element, you know, whereas, you know, a lot of these heroes, basically, they're all about, you know, bringing them to jail and getting the points and all that stuff. I don't know. I don't know what would happen on that TV show. I mean, I, I'm, I'm trying to remember, like, because I know at one point Bunny does catch up with the killers of his parents and, and he does, you know, end them, you know, so it's like I'm trying to remember, did they deduct points from him for that? Like, I don't know. I can't remember, I, I, but... Well, it seemed like the way they they showed it in that clip thing because I haven't seen the last few, I haven't seen like a lot of the anime, but it seemed like it was one of those things where like you know he wasn't trying to kill them. They like you know, but what he did ended up with them dying. You know, it was like you know, it wasn't one of those like I'm going to kill you. It was just like you know, I kicked you and you teetered off the edge of a cliff and you fell. Kind right. Of thing, you know. Right. Yeah. It's like whoops. Yeah. You know, Lunatic's backstory is kind of interesting. Like, basically, one of the big heroes in that universe is kind of like this this chubby old-school hero who was named Mr. Legend. And that character, in terms of the anime, was like a huge influence to all the characters. Like, he actually stopped the bank robbery where Kotetsu was there, and Kotetsu's powers first manifested during that bank robbery, so he actually stopped one of the assailants from shooting him. And then, you know, that's when Mr. Legend's like, oh, a guy like you, you could be a superhero and help people. And he was like, wow, thanks, Mr. Legend! You know, and it was this big kind of, you know, old school, you know, kind of, you know, 
come on, Bucky, let's go fight crime type thing. And, yeah, you know, say, yeah, it does have that Captain America vibe to him, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, but, it, but it, you know, it seems like there's also that weird Watchmen, Alan Moore element to that character, too. <laughs> yeah. Because as you, as you go further into the anime, you basically find out that even though that character was like a stand-up superhero and he helped a lot of people, he actually beat the hell out of his wife, and his son was actually Yuri. So he basically kind of, you know, traumatized his son to the point where to stop Mr. Legend, this this great, renowned hero, from beating the hell out of his mom, he kills his father. And so that's kind of where that character, I guess, you know, becomes lunatic and, and, and develops his own sense of justice and, and what he perceives as being, you know, morally right in that case, you know, because that's where he started from. So there's there's that weird kind of bastardization of, you know, that, that deconstruction more style of of some of the backstory to the superhero universe, even though most of it generally is fun and uplifting and, you know, the kind of Kotetsu wild tiger, like, I'm here to help people and fuck points and reality TV and all this other stuff. Like, I'm all about being a superhero. But there are those those instances where, you know, certain... I, I won't say they're real world, but there there are aspects of reality that kind of seep their way into the the storyline yeah. and everything. And basically that you know that's a long-winded way of saying this guy Schneider looks like a total heel and of course if lunatic thinks you're a scumbag like you better watch the fuck out basically cuz he might be put <laughs> on on his kill list you know so so it's not somebody you want to have you know on your uh, you don't want to be on lunatic shit list basically is is what the main point yeah, of that is yeah cuz to him bad people die that's it bad yeah. people yeah. deserve to die yeah be gone. I have no business with you. Our boss is being held captive by that machine. The last thing we need is for you to butt in. Now get the hell out of here! Such a fool. You can't even see what the true evil is. Huh? Thanatos always speaks the truth. Aside from that scene, we also cut to a scene with Bunny, and Bunny is actually in the orphanage where he grew up because he was parentless himself, and he is bringing presents to all the kids in the orphanage, and we see this this kind of oddly placed bit of exposition that we all need to know for the plot to move along, because basically there's a nun at the orphanage, and she is reading this children's pop-up storybook that basically is providing the expositional information that is going to later be essential to move the plot along. And basically the, the main gist of the children's story is there are these villagers, and they loot and pillage and do all this kind of nasty shit and then a goddess basically the goddess of justice sends down a messenger crab and says hey look i'm gonna warn you guys like stop this shit and you've got to repent and of course the villagers are like fuck you crab and they eat him and <laughs> there's this weird there's this weird sequence in the children's pop-up book like it almost looks like he comes down yeah 
Well, no, not not only that, but the, the, after they eat him, it's like the dinner table. It's like it looks like it's the Last Supper. Like they're all they're all feasting on on this crab and everything. Like it's the Last Supper. I mean, it looks like that that painting to me, literally, and everything. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, was, I was about to say like this whole story as kind of a Judeo-Christian thing of, like, you know, uh, God making the flood to, like, wipe the earth of evil and yeah, stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. The, and then, you know, basically just to finish off the, the children's storybook legend and everything, you know, then, you know, since they, the villagers did eat the crab and did not heed the warning to repent, you know, she, she blasts the villagers with rays of light, she ravages their cattle and their horses, and, you know, like we are talking about floods and all this other stuff, and puts them in a deep deep sleep to have nightmares forever. So that's basically that, you know, I guess that's a nice uplifting children's story, kind of like, uh, you know. <laughs> I don't know, like five years old, she's reading this to them. <laughs> well, you know, it's like Grimm's Fairy Tales or, you know, Rockabye Baby or, you know, whatever kind of stuff. It's like they don't always end nicely, I guess, even though they're supposed to be like, yay, go to sleep. I just rocked your baby off the cradle, you know, or whatever. I will say you one know, thing, though, for a children's, for a children's pop-up book, really beautifully drawn. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it, yeah, it's it's very good, and and of course, it, conveniently in English for everyone who is English speaking. So, yeah. I know, yeah. right? <laughs> in the meantime, you know, Schneider, I guess, is con- continuing his dickery. He is he, he he was planning on basically trying to cancel the Justice Festival, and in the in the end result. He basically ends up letting all the second string heroes go. He basically fires them all. And then his assistant, Mr. Virgil, is there instead of him. And all the second stringers are like, we, we want to talk to the boss. You know, we want to talk to the main guy. And the assistant, Mr. Virgil, is just basically like, well, he did leave you this message. And then he holds up, like, his, his tablet or whatever. And you see this scribble of bye-bye. And then it's kind of like, it kind of is funny, like basically everybody who was part of the Apollo media organization looks like they're getting fired. The other person that was at the meeting, Alexander Lloyds, like he basically lets him go. I mean, he fires him. Ultimately, what that means is all the second stringers are let go, including Kotetsu. So now Kotetsu is out of a job. He's no longer a superhero. Like, I mean, you know, you know, maybe for the second stringers, you know, they'd only been doing it a short time, but for guys like Kotetsu and even this guy Lloyds, I mean, they had been working there for, you know, a long time, and now they're kind of down on their luck and everything. Interestingly enough, this kind of hits the whole supporting cast pretty hard, too, you know? Like, they're they're happy to still be employed and first stringers and everything, but, you know, Kotetsu's their friend and everything, so I'm just jokingly going to refer to this as the girls and the boys, like, kind of lamenting sequences, and when I say the girls, it's Dragon Kid, Blue Rose, and Fire Emblem are the girls, even though, you know, people may send angry, angry emails to me, but that's, that's the girls kind of lamenting in a restaurant and everything about Kotetsu and everything, and then the guys are at a bar, and it's Origami Cyclone, and he's he's doing darts at the bar. And Sky High and Rock Bison are kind of kicking back, like, drinking some beers and stuff. So it's kind of like, uh, I don't know, to me, like, what it made me think of is, that, like, if Hal Jordan and Wolverine, like, Logan, went out and got a beer. And then, you know, I don't know, like, Cannonball or somebody was in the back playing darts. Like, that's kind of what that that sequence was like to me. I, I think one thing that I really liked about that is, like, the girl scene was, like, them lamenting about Tiger. And and emblem being trying to be like you know like the cheerleader like come on life is beautiful, but like the guys 
like, each one of them, like, point out their flaws. You know, like, Rock Bison's like, oh, I'm just, like, slow and stupid sometimes. I don't get things done. And Origami was like, you know, I'm just a coward. I always hide behind my illusions and shape-shifting. And Sky High was like, <laughs> it was really funny. I felt bad for him. He was like, you know... He's like, at one point, you know, he looks at Oregon, he's like, I accept you. And they're like, you know, oh, this is how Sky High talks. He doesn't mean, he's like, no, that's how I really talk. I feel foolish when I talk sometimes because people don't understand me. And it's like, it was, it was a cool little bonding moment, I thought. Yeah, yeah, it was a good moment between the three of them. And, and I, I think, like, some of the goals of the creators in this instance, and we'll, we'll see later with Fire Emblem especially, but I, I think in terms of the original anime only being a, a 25-episode series. You know, it's not like they had seven years like The Next Generation to give everybody a standalone episode or, you know, super specific deep treatment. development, you know? Yeah, so it's like there are any opportunities they got to, to flesh out some of these characters even more. I think they were they were excited to have this opportunity to to have sequences like these to, to flesh out all the characters, you know, more so than they had. And if they felt like they gave any characters the short shrift, you know, they could they could definitely embellish on, you know, what they had set up previously. You know, maybe they, they had planned certain things in episodes but just never got to them or they ran out of time, and so I think a lot of that stuff ended up in this in this film. Yeah, it was really cool. Yeah. Meanwhile, we've got Kotetsu's brother. Uh, I guess it's it's funny they don't really introduce his family for for people who are noobs. So I, I don't know how new friendly this this film is. It, it's kind of like an epilogue to the series. So it, it definitely helps if you've watched the entire series. But you know, Kotetsu's brother is basically watching his daughter Kaede, and he kind of makes the suggestion that maybe Tiger should move back home. You know, like maybe maybe that's what he needs to do. You know, because now he's in the city and he doesn't really have a job and all that other kind of stuff. And in the meantime, his daughter Kaede calls up Blue Rose to help her out with her dad because she kind of she's not sure what to do. You know, she knows her dad is down in the dumps, but she's not quite sure how to handle it. And so she comes to Blue Rose for help with that. Then. We are introduced, or at least we are introduced to the first of three evil next villains. And there's this kind of, I guess I'm just going to call her the Shadow Clone Jutsu Weird Indian Lady or whatever. And that's the first evil next that appears. I, I don't know if they have, I don't know, I didn't check the end credits. I guess I'm a bad host or whatever, but I don't know if they have names or not. But I, I kind of made little nicknames for all of them to keep track of them and stuff like that. But I'm not sure if they actually have names. They're not actually named in the the movie from my recollection unless i'm mistaken did you guys I notice her, any i called her xena you called her xena i i kind of i was like yeah. oh she's the she's kind of like the hottie indian shadow clone jutsu lady or whatever you know she kind of makes all these multiple copies of herself and everything like that and so i guess what she does in this instance is there's this truck driver and he's listening to blue rose's latest album so you know he's a fan and then all of a sudden you know one of this lady's clones pops out in the middle of the road and of course he tries to swerve out of the way and it creates this huge accident on the bridge and everything and basically the truck like nearly like I think it does fly off the bridge or whatever so there's all this craziness going on and then we are actually cutting to this is kind of a callback sequence again if you've never watched the original anime this might not hold the same meaning for you 
but we're also reintroduced to Doc Saito. And Doc Saito is the character that basically constructed the tiger and bunny armors, and he's also created this Golden Ryan armor, because we see, much like Wild Tiger, Golden Ryan also had his own sort of old-school costume before he had the suit of armor and everything. And there's actually a very similar sequence where he shows Kotetsu, like, this is what your new suit can do, and this is what your old suit can do. And he kind of puts them side by side, and, you know, he he sets them both on fire, and he's like, you know, and, and the funny part about Doc Saito is he's this character that basically... Uh, it's weird, like, he, he doesn't talk. I mean, he does, but he apparently talks with such a low volume that he is indecipherable. So they sometimes put up subtitles for his whispers, basically. And then apparently the joke is, like, if he's talking on the telephone or an intercom or whatever, apparently then he becomes, like, super loud. So that's... That's kind of the, the gag, I guess, or whatever. If he talks into any kind of microphone or, or apparatus or whatever, then all of a sudden you can hear him. But otherwise, when he's talking to you mono e mano in a room, you know, it's like... And you're like... And you're like, what did he say? You know, and most of the time, the characters either respond to him like Groot would, you know, or or like you would to Groot, or you just go, yeah, Groot, yeah, buddy, whatever. Or, you know, they have, like, these subtitles at the bottom that explain what the hell he actually said and everything. And, of course, in in this case, it's a callback to when he, you know, first kind of said, oh, Wild Tiger, your old costume is shit, but the costume I made is awesome. And he basically shows all the durability of the armor and what it can do. And, of course, when he he does the same routine, the same gag with Golden Ryan. Golden Ryan is kind of so self-absorbed. He's kind of like, yeah, 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 whatever about the costume. As long as I'm in it, it's going to be awesome. You know, and, and the doc is kind of like, you're, that's not as cool as what Kotetsu did, you know, basically. Yeah, yeah, Tiger was like, that's cool. I love that suit. Because Ryan, you dick. Yes, Ryan is a dick. Basically because of this whole bridge incident, all the heroes are called in. They're they're basically all headed towards the accident on the bridge. I've been collecting like all the the figure arts from this series, this anime series and everything, and I was just thinking to myself, I go, "Oh, how cool would it be if they made a a motorbike for Blue Rose or like Fire Emblem's big flaming honking car or whatever? Like, I think those would be cool." vehicles to add to that line since they already have the the action figures and everything. I think that'd be pretty sweet. I will say that Blue Rose's motorcycle is slightly suggestive. Slightly. It's like, I, I don't, it's like Anne Hathaway bit. riding the bat pod. <laughs> yeah. Just ass all up in the air. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's, it, that's how they drew it. It's not my fault, folks. <laughs> so it turns out that Kotetsu is actually gotten himself a gig working as a cabbie. You know, he's not uh, obviously a successful cabbie, but more than likely his buddy Ben Jackson, who uh, was also working as a cabbie in the anime series, got that job for Kotetsu while he's staying in the city and everything like that, since he's not returning home. 
and then he sees the whole incident that's going on on the bridge, and he, he tries to get involved, but of course, at this point, he's considered a civilian, so the cops turn him away and everything. And in the meantime, the other heroes are interrogating this truck driver, and he's basically kind of gawking and ogling Blue Rose the whole time, because, of course, he's a fanboy. And he ends up talking about this evil lady next, who we were talking about before, who basically ran him off the bridge. And then he brings up that right before he got ran off the bridge, he remembered hearing this strange noise. And, of course, as audience members, we remember it's the same strange noise that was at the collapse of the tower and the same strange noise that the cat lady heard. And so Dragon Kid actually is the standout hero in this case, and she quickly makes the connection basically that, oh, this truck driver's talking about the noise, like this is the same noise that happened when the tower was collapsing. And then, of course, Bunny brings up the connection to the children's you know, pop-up storybook and everything. And he's like, look, we've got buildings destroyed because we had the collapse of the building. And then because of this accident, cattle and livestock ended up being thrown into the sea because they fell off this bridge. So he thinks there's a connection with this whole goddess justice, like, children's storybook and everything and and they're like oh well maybe that lady that saw a shadowy monster before you know like maybe there was something to that maybe that that's some kind of representation of the goddess of justice and so then the heroes all of a sudden hear the same noise again and that noise ends up leading the heroes to another evil next type who i nicknamed angar the screamer <laughs> nice. Yeah, I mean, I, I I don't know what his name is, but he's kind of like you know he's a black bolt Angar the Screamer type guy. He's got a a big thing on his you know a, a kind of a muzzle on his mouth, and when he takes it off, that's what was causing the noise, and it basically you know causes mass destruction anytime he screams. You know, kind of like a you know a banshee or whatever type character. It smacks of the occult. I'll tell you that. <laughs> so that's who's doing it. He basically attacks our heroes, and then he starts to go on the run. And Ryan and Bunny encounter that evil lady next, the, the Indian lady who makes all these after images of herself. And then Fire Emblem comes across the third evil next, who is like this old Master Roshi monk type guy. And <laughs> I was just about to say he looks like fucking Master Roshi. Nice. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he's this old Master Roshi monk-type guy, and then feeding into the whole children's storybook theme, basically he's surrounded by all these sleeping civilians. So again, much like the storybook where, you know, the goddess put them all to sleep and forced them to endure a bunch of nightmares, this next power is to make you relive your, basically, I guess it's it's your your greatest fear or your 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 greatest hurdle in life and you're just stuck in that endless cycle of 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 nightmarishness and everything the next time we see fire emblem after this this sequence dragon kid and blue rose find him in a coma they are i guess getting him to the hospital and everything and then 
Alexander Lloyds, the businessman from before, ends up being one of Kotetsu's cab fares. And this I thought was, I mean, it's a minor scene, but I thought it was kind of interesting because Lloyds was one of those guys who was kind of a jerk on the TV show. Like, I mean, I don't know if you'd call him like the J. Jonah Jameson or the Steve Lombard or Flash Thompson or whoever, but I mean, he was their manager, but he was kind of a kind of a snot face too, you know? And he he basically kind of berates Kotetsu because Kotetsu's like, yeah, I'm doing this cab gig until the second league gets back together. And he's basically just like, you know, man, you, you got to face reality. Like, the second league is dead, and there's nothing that's going to bring it back. You better get your shit together and get your head in gear because that's never coming back. And in the meantime... He's also fired, and he's bringing home all these presents to his kids and his wife. Yeah, and when he gets out right, of the yeah. cab, when he gets out of the cab, he's kind of like, "Yeah, honey, everything's cool, everything's fine." So I was kind of like, "Man, you gotta take your own fucking advice, dude." Like seriously. Yeah, and what's being stuck though is like, Kotetsu doesn't know that, so he's looking at this and he's like, "Oh man, maybe he's right." You know, he has that moment yeah. of doubt. You know. <laughs> I am so sick of getting dicked around. If I had it my way, I'd rather be doing the dicking. Huh? Now what's happened over there? Sir, what's going on here? Well, well. It's a pleasure to meet you, friend. What? Considering we only just met, what an unfortunate circumstance for you. The, the evil next old man who looked like Master Roshi as a monk is creating a nightmare for Fire Emblem, I guess. And, and this is also another instance in which, I guess, you know, they didn't get to delve too much into Fire Emblem's backstory. I don't think he ever had, you know, a standalone featured episode on the Tiger and Bunny series. He was always there in the background. He was landing arrests and doing things, but he never, I, I don't think he ever had a real focus episode. So I think this is a chance that, you know, they, they kind of decided, oh, well, maybe we, we gave Fire Emblem the short shrift, so this is a chance to feature him a bit more in this film. And, I mean, ba basically what it is is it, the Nightmare sequences, you know, delving into his backstory, you know, as a kid, discovering who he was, and kind of, you know, basically, okay, he's a gay character, so of course he dealt with a bunch of prejudice, and, you know, they're, they're kind of going into his time at his boarding school, and time with his family, and his own community, and all the rejection he deals with, and, and kind of not knowing, you know, what he wants to be, and all this kind of stuff. And so, in the meantime, while this nightmarish reliving of, of some of the toughest moments in his life is going on, then in the real world, his fire powers are just self-generating. So in order to combat that, you know, when, when he's in the hospital bed and everything, Blue Rose is there using her ice powers to negate the, the fire powers, basically. So it's like they're basically, you know, negative and positive kind of negating one another out so that, you know, basically Fire Emblem doesn't burn down the whole hospital or whatever. It should be noted that, like, it's kind of interesting that, like, even though I said she used guns earlier, during these scenes, it seems like she actually does have an actual next power where she can generate ice and control, like, you know, water and stuff. Yeah, I, I think the, the whole idea is even if they use armor or guns or any kind of mechanical 
accentuations, you know, the, the, the next ability is self-generated. So I, she could probably yeah. generate the cold and the ice herself, but she uses, she uses those pistols to, like, focus the, the energy she generates so it's not as random, I guess. But in this case, you know, she's just kind of being yeah. an absorption. You know, she's absorbing all the, the heat or whatever, so. I will, I will say, like, as far as Fire Emblem goes, it, it seems a little heavy-handed at points. But uh, my comment earlier was actually because this is one of my favorite parts of the movie, because it'll go on during, as the movie goes on, it's actually a pretty long, like, segment as they go back to it during the course of the movie. But I'm not, like, you know, revealing anything as how it plays out. It's, it's really well done, because it does kind of hit you at points of, like, how homophobic people can be, and how, you know, in our society, like, being gay is not as taboo as it used to be, but for a lot of people, it's still really hard to come out. It's really hard to be a homosexual person. And I thought it was handled really well. I mean, it was not played for laughs. It wasn't made to you know, be a joke like, I'm gay. Oh, ha, 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 you silly gay man. It, it, he, he was very, very much genuinely tormented in those scenes as far as that character. I thought it was really well done. Yeah, I think I think it was a pretty decently done sequence. I mean, you know, I, I guess in that sense, you know, as opposed to like some of the other sequences in the the anime where it's all about, you know, dick jokes and grab asses and, you know, kind of that kind of stuff, which is generally what, what Fire Emblem did throughout the course of the anime. Like this is this is a sequence where, you know, he, he gets to show a more serious side to his personality and, and kind of what he, he went through, you know, as a kid and then, you know, growing up into an adult or whatever. I, you know, it's, it's weird. It's, it's kind of like that, that nightmare point gets you hung up on like one of the worst experiences that you've ever had, but it, it seems like he, he gets stuck in that place. So I, I don't know. Yeah. The, it's funny. We'll, we'll get to the resolution, but but I, I do think it's it's sort of amusing because uh, you know to a point where it's like super heavy, super serious, and then all of a sudden it's like, wait a minute, fuck this shit. You know, like uh, I'm not doing it anymore. <laughs> you know, like that's basically like kind of how it gets resolved or whatever. But we'll we'll get into that when that that part happens and everything. But meanwhile, back to the the legend of the goddess of justice. The the next part of the story, which Bunny is revealing to to all the different heroes and everything is that basically the, the the goddess of justice opened up this gigantic abyss to swallow up all the people who did not repent and so it's going to bury them until they acknowledge the god of justice and then the other heroes basically think well this action probably will happen tomorrow because tomorrow is justice day and so that did not get canceled the parade is still ongoing and so then we cut to the next day during justice day in the meantime tiger is actually checking on blue rose and fire emblem and everything and in the midst of checking up on blue rose and blue rose going oh you're a big dummy head because he kind of learns that bunny was big on getting all the money and becoming part of the first level of heroes because his big goal was to use that money to aid all the kids at the orphanage. So the, all the orphanage kids got tickets to come see the parade and all that other kind of stuff. There actually is a lot of montages going on. There's a big hero montage that kind of catches you up on what all the heroes are doing. And then all of a sudden we see another sequence where K-8A 
and uh, Kotetsu's mother and his brother come to the city so that they can see him. And there's a big family montage where you can see they all go out on the town and they're spending time together. And then we kind of follow up on that phone call that Kaede had with Blue Rose earlier. So it, it basically it looks like Blue Rose's solution was to get them tickets to the Justice Day parade and everything. And they have these really nice box seats. So so they you know he I guess she's hoping that spending time with his family is going to be something that you know, helps him out through this kind of, you know, downtime where he's, he's not actually, uh, you know, a, a, a hero that is, you know, making money and, and having that occupation, you know, instead of just being a cabbie or whatever. Yeah. I will, I will say that like, Kaede is probably the least annoying child, like character I've seen in a series in a long time. She doesn't bug me at all. And I'm like, that's a real little kid. I, I like her. <laughs> yeah. She seems pretty sharp. Yeah, I, I enjoy her. I mean, you know, I guess that's... I, I, I know this is weird. I think I may have mentioned this on the show before, but for, for me, sometimes I think I, I think I especially identify with characters that have daughters for some reason, because I, I think I, I'm always expecting that since that would be something that I would understand the least, I would probably end up with a daughter myself, like Kotetsu. So it's like that kind of funny thing of how he's always <laughs> struggling to to sort of relate to her and he loves her very much and he wants to be there for her but he's not obviously he's he's always not on the same page with her you know because he there there are some things he just doesn't understand you know and everything and i guess this might be a good point to mention that the the mother you know his his wife Tomoe is has passed away. So I mean that that's basically true throughout the course of the entire anime. Like even when the series starts, you know the the mother, you know he is he is a widower basically is is uh, one of one of Kotetsu's backstory. You know that that may be uh, you know something that he has to contend with. Whereas you know Bunny's got the whole parents thing. You know Kotetsu is is kind of a widower. So there's and he's ra- you know he's a single father raising a daughter. So Stuff it, Linkara. Somebody else other than Arsenal is a single father. Booyah! But yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Well, I'm sure you're, I'm sure you're gonna bring it up, but like also, okay, they uh, gives him a nice kick in the ass, which is also nice. Yeah, yeah, and at that point, you know, that's when he kind of brings up, like, he says, you know, you're a lot like your mother in that way. Like, she was always looking out for me and and giving me those those kicks in the asses, you know, <laughs> like that kind of thing and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, and she's not whiny about it. She's not annoying. She's just like, because basically you have the scene plays out. Again, there's like certain scenes that I really like in this uh, movie. He's like talking about the poem that she was talking about earlier, and he's like, you know, don't don't try to copy what your teacher wants. Just do what you want to do. Like make your own poem, and like you know, you'll be more satisfied doing something on your own. And she's like, well, are you doing what you want to do? You're not doing what you want to do. You want to be a hero, and you're driving a cab. And he's just like. Holy shit, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, she makes some good points. Yeah, I, I thought that was a really nice, like, little tender moment. I mean, I guess in my old age, like, you know, nice moments like that kind of hit me a little bit more. No, I, I think I think it was a good sequence between them. And, and like you both say, the, the the characters are strong. I mean, she she did get a lot of development, I think, in the anime, and, and it certainly carried over to here so that when she appears again, she's a good motivator for Kotetsu to to move along in his journey as as 
as the character he is currently. Yeah, yeah. You're not like, oh, this little kid. You're like, oh, okay, yeah, I see how this works, yeah. So, meanwhile, as that is going on, the other heroes from Hero TV are patrolling the Justice Day Parade. They're on the lookout for all the bad guys. And then, of course, Angar the Screamer, crazy shadow jutsu Indian lady, and evil, <laughs> grumpy old man monk begin their assault. And all these bombs go off in the stadium. Everybody is running and fleeing in terror. You know, Rock Bison, all the other heroes are trying to evacuate all the people and everything. You know, near as I can tell, you know, in this age of Superman killed everybody in the Man of Steel and he's a big duty head, as near as I can tell, Nobody died in this sequence, and everybody needs to stick it up their ass. So, you know, because there's plenty of sequences like that where (laughs) buildings explode and everything goes to shit, but nobody actually dies and they're all saved. So, so there's, there's that aspect to the situation. Obviously, it's, it's, it's a bad situation. There's lots of kind of bombs and crazy stuff going on, but it's not like there's a sequence where there's a bunch of bloody corpses and people's heads exploding or anything like that. So you, you basically, you know, you, you get the idea oh, look, like, you know, all these people are on the outside of the stadium now that it's exploded, you know, so obviously they're all okay. In the midst of that sequence, while everyone is running and fleeing in terror, Kaede actually is separated from her uncle and grandmother because you can see they're all running away and some of the flooring drops out from under her and she ends up finding Bunny and Ryan in the middle of all the rubble and she has already seen these three evil next people that set off all the bombs and everything and informs Bunny and Ryan. Of course, she thinks Bunny is super hot and everything and is kind of has this crush on, <laughs> on him, you know, probably much to the chagrin of, you know, Kotetsu and everything like that. I don't see anyone here. Barnaby! Kaede, what are you doing here? Um, Young lady, do you see anybody suspicious? Hmm? Yeah, three creepy people went that way. There they are. You need to get yourself to someplace safe, quickly. He is still so hot. Just when Blue Rose probably is getting super exhausted from holding off Fire Emblem, generating all this fire, Kotetsu actually shows up at the hospital and has his own fire extinguisher. Now, you may think it's kind of silly, like, why would a dude with a fire extinguisher be able to do the same thing that, like, a super-powered lady who can generate cold would? But, of course, they back it up with, he doesn't only have one fire extinguisher and he's telling her to leave. He's got, like, a whole cart full of fire extinguishers to (laughs) basically, you know, he's relieving her and saying, look, like, I know you're exhausted from doing this, but they need your help, and let me let me fill in for you while I can, and you can go fight these evil guys that are messing up the Justice Day Parade. So she heads out and everything, and it ends up being, you know, it, it, I guess it's it's kind of how I'm always apt to describe it, but it's, it's the whole G.I. Joe the movie end sequence where all the various heroes pair off against all the various villains and we you know basically cut back and forth between all the various battles but the the basic sequence of fights that are going on at this point are dragon kid and blue rose fighting the old crazy monk man sky high rock bison and origami cyclone versus the angar the screamer wannabe and golden ryan and bunny versus the Indian Shadow Clone Jutsu Lady. I will say that, like, uh, Ang- 
Engar is giving probably Rock Bison, Sky High, and Origami probably the worst time. He's just whooping their ass. Yeah, he, he takes their wallet. I just, I wanted to say, I uh, almost forgot, I wanted to say, like, I hope there were no fires in that building, because if not, like, Hotetsu, like, dicked over everyone by taking all their fire extinguishers. <laughs> like, where's the fire extinguisher? Someone took it! I caused that fire, what happened? So, I, I mean, yeah, I, I know we were talking about the, the fight between uh, the, the guys, basically, and Angar the Screamer and everything. I, I guess in, in the midst of all these other fights, basically, I mean, they, they kind of cut back and forth between them, so it's, it's kind of frenetic, and, and I, I thought most of the fights were pretty exciting. They were fun to watch and stuff like that. In, in the middle of all this fighting, you know, Schneider then is basically attacked by some kind of weird, scary-looking Bayformer thing. It's this big mishmash of electronic crap that looks kind of like, uh, you know, a gigantic, uh, you know, thing from the Wild Wild West or whatever, you know, like the giant spider that, you know, Kevin Smith was saying that John Peters always wanted in a movie, basically, you know, and Snyder is trying to retreat to his panic room, and he, he desperately needs some kind of hero to come out and help him, and, you know, Bunny's about to stop fighting and just have Golden Ryan take on the, the Shadow Clone Jutsu Lady and everything, but then he actually is forced to stop because she starts threatening civilians if he leaves the battle, so he decides to stay, and then Agnes, the Hero TV producer, basically that gives her an opportunity to call up Wild Tiger and give him his job back as a member of the second string, and then it's like, well, he's busy doing all this stuff with Fire Emblem. So, of course, we have a callback to the second string team who has now shown up at the hospital. And they're like, thank you, Mr. Tiger. You are our senpai. Like, we will do the fire extinguisher stuff from now on. And, and they kind of, you know, take over and help out with that. Thank you, Quicksilver. Thank you, second stringers. Yeah. You think you think that guy who could spray sweat everywhere would be good at extinguishing the fire or whatever? There you go. Yes. Right? <laughs> the reason I the reason I call her Zena, the uh, Shadow Jitsu lady, because during this fight with Bunny and Ryan, she pulls out the chakrams from Zena and she starts you know going ah, la, 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 you know just like throwing chakrams everywhere. So <laughs> <laughs> really, really tenuous like connection, but that's what I got from it. <laughs> nice. Nice. I'm like, I'm like, I, I, I see a Bollywood sexy Indian lady who is all badass and stuff, but you see Xena, it's no big deal. <laughs> so, as I am apt to say, Wild Tiger is now back, and he's got Round of Two Power! And he is on his Lonely Chaser motorcycle, so now he's got his light green motorbike that we were lamenting about earlier in the film and of course the crazy bay former wild wild west spider is absconding with snyder and tiger is giving chase after the crazy bay former thingamabob and then we cut back to the evil old monk master roshi man who basically like he is kicking blue rose and dragon kid's ass at first but then he violates the rules of political correctness. We can't lie around when that old man hero is back with us, trying to do his best. Good point. 
Come on now. Why don't you people lie down and go to sleep already? You know what I mean. Like that cowardly colleague of yours who's neither guy nor girl. What did you just say? That basically gives Blue Rose and especially Dragon Kid like round the two power because that pisses them off so much. And you know, after after he starts talking shit about Fire Emblem, and so then they get really mad and they start kicking his ass and everything. And and this is the point where I was kind of laughing about it because I, I I know we said that for the most part that sequence is fairly serious. You know. It, it, displays, you know, what, what Fire Emblem goes through and, and kind of the struggles and obstacles he has to face. But then it seems like right at this point in the middle of the fight, it's kind of like he's like, why am I being so down on myself, honey? Fuck this shit. You know, like, it's just like, he just decides, like, because it's like he's going through all this miserable stuff in his life, and then all of a sudden he's like, I am who I am, and I love myself. You know, and that's basically like... <laughs> The, the end of the sequence, it's just like, you know, he decides, all right, this is dumb, I'm going to stop, like, loathing myself, and then I'm going to be fine. And it's like, I guess I guess that's a point that, that anybody and everybody, if, if they're in that predicament where they feel a sense of self-loathing, like, you, you would eventually just have to be like, you know what, fuck it, like, you can't, uh, you can't be your own worst enemy, you know, and it seems like that's basically what was going on here, you know, he was his own worst enemy, and, and that old monk guy was basically using that against him, and eventually he's just like, fuck this shit, round two power, fuck you, you know, and that was, that was basically the end of it, you know. I really am such a fool. Why the hell am I worried about all this now? Okay, people, that's enough. Show's over. I have to accept reality. After all, this is who I am. The truth is, I'm quite happy I was born me. It's fine this way. I am who I am! Every, every once in a while, you gotta look yourself in the mirror and be like, Bitch, I'm fabulous. <laughs> Yeah, I mean that—that's basically all that was going on here. He's like, "This is this is bullshit. I'm gonna stop now." And then, of course, then you know, it's like basically he's like, "I'm back, and we're gonna defeat that old fart," you know, and everything. It's pretty touching. I mean, they—they they both seem to be taking a lot of hits for one another, you know, as I'm jokingly calling them the girls. It's like Fire Emblem shows up to help the girls, and, you know, and then it's like all of a sudden, you know, the old man monk is not only beating the hell out of Fire Emblem, but he, then, you know, Blue Rose is getting beat the hell out of, and then Fire Emblem's like jumping on top of her body, taking the hits for her, so she doesn't get hit even more. And then, of course, you know, Dragon Kid's kind of haplessly sitting there like a jackass for a few minutes but eventually you're like come on snap out of it you know get into round of two power and eventually she's like that pisses me off and she does her like super electricity move that i guess she's been you know practicing the whole film and then all of a sudden it's like they do a trifecta of kind of super moves and that takes out this you know mad monk basically and like final fantasy two power yeah i actually a uh, lightning kid Earlier on, she said she was having trouble forming the lightning into coherent shapes. That's what she was trying to practice with. So what did she do at the end? She made a giant fucking lightning dragon. That, that was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they, they did the lightning dragon, and then Blue Rose does her thing where she freezes him up, and then Fire Emblem, like, you know, shoots out his fire and everything. So it's like they basically incapacitate the, the monk here and decisively defeat him. As far as Golden Ryan and 
bunny, like, Golden Ryan kind of gets this cool Han Solo, like, you're all clear, kid. Let's blow this thing and go home moment when he basically, like, Bunny leads the, the Bollywood lady down this really narrow path. And I guess she's under the misimpression that his heaviness power only works within a circular radius. So she's like, ha ha ha, you can never use your power on me. And he's like, oh really? And then he basically like narrows it so that it fits within this narrow, tiny crevice. And so it basically knocks her down. And then Bunny can then jump behind her and do this Kirk chop to the head. And then that's all over for her. <laughs> yeah. and that's, that's all she wrote, you know? Yeah, he's just like, flash whack. Without it. <laughs> yeah, that's basically that's what happens there. And then meanwhile, though, the poor boys who are getting their asses kicked. I guess you know it, it looks like Origami Cyclone has left the fight, and you know they, they're kind of you know I think the villain is kind of accusing him. You know, Angar, the screamer, is accusing him of being kind of a coward. But he ends up returning to the fight, and he's got this gigantic reverse ditch. So like when Angar screams at him, it reflects it back. And that's the first time they actually sort of deal a devastating blow to Angar the Screamer. And then I guess what I called it was like Sky High does a fastball special with Rock Bison, and that kind of takes it out. He totally does, yeah. And it, it, it was kind of a nice note for like the uh, show, like the, the show and the movie. They're like, you know, Rock Bison gets his first major arrest. You know, that's like his big point thing, like his, uh, you know, redemption point, you know. Yeah, yeah. So he got to he got to do some some cool stuff in that sequence. Definitely. I guess back to Wild Tiger, who's off chasing after Schneider. He ends up getting into the middle of this fall where he's perilously hanging off this building, and then he ends up falling. And then of course Bunny saves him and catches him. And then out of nowhere, basically, we had to have Lunatic basically shows up and is confronting Tiger. So now we've got this instance where, you know, Lunatic is basically out to get Schneider because he's a dick face, and this gigantic spider crazy robot from the Wild Wild West is also running off with him and everything. Tiger is the one who's holding off Lunatic, and then Bunny's the one who's going after the robot and Schneider. And so the Bayformer is it's basically going to execute Schneider, but then Golden Ryan and Bunny both show up and they're going to stop it. The true villain of the piece is finally revealed because the, the person that's behind the background of all these other nexts that are causing all this turmoil for the city is this kind of technopath. So he's controlling like all the, the mechanical equipment and everything. And he's the one making this giant spider thing and, and you know, behind all the crap that was going on with all those other incidents and everything. And it turns out it is none other than, and we've, we've mentioned him a couple times, but you, you probably would have totally missed him if you weren't paying attention, is Dun, dun, dun! Spoilers! It's Mr. Virgil. So that, that random assistant that was, like, firing people and working for Schneider that whole time, he was a plant. He was actually, you know, at 
Schneider's side the whole time under his nose. He was just in the background as one of his assistants, and his real name is not Mr. Virgil, but it's Andrew Scott, and it turns out that Schneider, just like with Hero TV, he absorbed his father's company called Scott Systems, and eventually he, you know, basically used that as a funnel for all these illegal activities, and that ended up resulting in his father committing suicide. So, basically, ever since then, Andrew Scott's held this grudge against Schneider and wanted to basically make him pay and punish him and everything. And even all the the evil nexts that we've been seeing to this point, I mean, you know, maybe they're not quite as evil as you think because they all have their own reasons for, for hating Schneider. They, he all, you know, they're, they're, they're brief little panel shots without any dialogue, but you can see he basically took something from all of them, whether it's, you know, the, the guy's boxing career or, boxer. or the, yeah. You know, the, the monk who lost his temple and his family and everything. And I believe the, the Bollywood lady, it looked like she lost all her sisters. Dancer, or yeah. There's some, basically he took something from, from all of them, basically. So they, they definitely had reasons to despise him as well. You know, it, it's, it's interesting because we, we get back to that kind of dilemma that that debate of I guess comics code justice versus like you know fucking eye for an eye justice and you know it's it's you know Andrew Scott is basically reaching out to Bunny basically going hey I remember when you took out the your parents killer like I'm just doing the same thing here and you know even Tiger th- this is the one point where it's like I love Wild Tiger he's probably my favorite character in the whole series but then it's like at this point it just sounds like he's preaching somebody else's spiel to me or at least if, if this was if if this was me as part of the tiger and tiger show you know th- this is the one instance where me and tiger just don't align because this is that <laughs> that kind of you know code approved bullshit where it's like we must not kill i don't believe in killing because it am wrong and you know they they do a lot of sanctimonious crap and a bunch of pretty speeches but at the end of the day it's like okay well what's going to happen andrew scott fights with bunny and ryan lunatic fights with tiger i guess because lunatic is the super cool big bad who can never be touched and is untouchable he ends up knocking tiger back into the fight with bunny and the bay former meanwhile golden ryan gets knocked unconscious and the 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 fight between bunny tiger and the giant spider bay former like kind of reminds me and I know neither of you guys have seen this, but it reminds me a lot of the live-action Kikaida reboot Final Battle, because there's actually, like, a lot of CGI in that, and it's it's very much a really cool, strong, armored guy running underneath this huge, giant, spidery, robotic thing and doing all these leaps and kicks and crap like that. And, and they kind of have to do, like, you know teamwork and everything where you know the one guy's trying to pin certain legs and stop them from smashing the other guy who's trying to kickbox them and punch them from underneath like what was your i mean did that remind you guys of anything in particular like did you have any thoughts on that particular fight i think one of the things that kind of took me out of it it wasn't a bad sequence i mean it was it was well done for what it was 
but that that character design in general, Scott's like robotic form. I know all the suits, like more or less, are CGI. They're like you know computer animated, but they fit in the universe. You know, like when I watch it, I'm like, yeah, yeah, Tiger's in his armor. You know, like Bunny's in his armor. You know, it, it, it melds together really well. But that that damn giant monster thing just looked like it was like kind of plastered on there. Yeah, it kind of stuck out like you know, a sore thumb. Yeah. It seemed like a kind of video game boss fight, almost. Like, you know, dodge yeah, I, this leg, then dodge that leg. Then, like, you know, when the legs try to, like, pin them down, I'm like, uh-oh, Bunny and Tiger better start jamming on the B button, you know, to keep it from crushing them or whatever. Totally, totally. Turn it over for massive damage. Strike it to, like, you know, underside. <laughs> yeah, it just, yeah, it, just, it wasn't a very... It, it's hard to say, because the fight was cohesive in how they portrayed it. But visually, it wasn't cohesive. I just was just like, it seems like they they really did animate everything, and then they were just like, let's put the boss in now. And it was like you could kind of tell like, everything was them. It wasn't like the 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 guy fighting them. It was like they animated everything, and then they just like did the 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 big guy last. And they're like, let's just make sure everything runs around here right and everything looks good, you know. And I think, too, going along the lines of, of that the, the fight seemed very video gamey. it looks like here then you get a callback to all the other characters and they're like your, your assist move, basically, because then it's like all the Scooby gang members show up to each get a hit in. So it's kind of like, oh, Sky High, assist. You know, Dragon Kid, assist. Fire Emblem, assist. Blue Rose, assist. You know, it's like Rock Bison, yeah. assist. And then and then they get to do their own final like super move, which is the the patented good luck mode, which basically is when the two of them basically meet each other head on and and smash their their gigantic fist and their gigantic leg in the middle between an enemy and stuff. And they eventually, you know, they 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 save Schneider, you know, because he he was swallowed up by this spidery mechanical thing, you know, and then they do that move and then basically that's that's the end of the fight and they've they've stopped Scott from carrying out his quote unquote evil plan to kill a nasty son of a bitch. <laughs> so good job, pat yourself on the back. You have the moral high ground, supposedly. You know, and then and then that's basically kinda like the wrap up, I guess, you know, it's like you know Reddit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, you're you're left with since Schneider is no longer in charge of the company, you know, the the lady Agnes is now in charge of Hero TV. She basically, you know, says, okay, Tiger is reinstated, and you know, Golden Ryan is basically like, you dudes were better as a team than than me and Bunny ever were. So like, I'm gonna do the vanglorious thing, and you guys are a super cool team. And then of course that I guess is you know, candy to the masses, and the masses are just like, yay, we love you, Wild Tiger, you're a hero. And then, you know, and then we go to the credits, basically, and, and we've got, you know, mostly like these happy after-credit scenes of, of all the heroes doing fun things together and everything, and then all these kind of like wah-wah-wah sequences for the bad guys where they yeah. all get sent to jail, basically, where, you know, like, like I guess in, in a weird way, you know, uh, Lunatic did not get to have his his justice on Schneider, you know, he did not get to execute him, but he does get to sentence him to jail, you know, which is kind of funny because you think eventually in a court of law, like you could 
conceivably also sentence somebody to death too but you know anyway in this case you know it's like he's in his judge identity and he basically he you know locks away Snyder for life I guess or whatever and then I guess Golden Ryan goes off to the DC universe to be Booster Gold or whatever so that's <laughs> that's basically yeah I mean that's that's kind of the 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 movie in a nutshell in a nutshell I mean I, I liked it. I mean, I'm, I, I enjoyed it. I, I thought it was a pretty decent epilogue to the animated series. I do think it's not necessarily for the first time viewer. Like you, you, it, it's probably helpful if you have some backstory. If you've either watched Tiger and Bunny the beginning or or a few episodes of the series to basically get the gist of, of most of the stuff. You know, I mean, my, my only big criticisms, like I said, are, are kind of the same thing. It's like, I, I liked it probably as much as I liked Big Hero 6. You know, it was fun, it was engaging, there were some cool scenes. I don't know that I normally, you know, that I, I necessarily agree with the morality of it all, but, you know, it's like one of those things where you're like, oh, it's, it's a superhero trope, and they don't kill anybody, and blah, 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 and I just kind of, you know, I don't know, I kind of put my head in the sand and just kind of go, yeah, whatever, guys, and then, you know, try to enjoy the rest of it. But, I mean, everything else other than that, I, I thought was I thought was pretty fun. I mean, I, I enjoyed it. I, I, and I do agree with what you guys were saying. Like, that final battle is is pretty video gamey. So, I mean, in that sense, maybe there's some, some disconnect from the final battle, and it wasn't quite as awesome as it could have been. But, I mean, I think overall it was above average and, and it was kind of fun wrap-up. Or, or I guess bonus if you if you had enjoyed Tiger and Bunny. I mean, I I think I enjoy the concept enough at heart that you know I, I'd be hard pressed to say I dislike this. You know, I I, I I I liked it, and I think even if they made some more follow up movies like this, where it wasn't you know it wasn't like the biggest event ever, or the end of the world, but it was just another day in the life of Tiger and Bunny. You know, I I wouldn't be adverse to it. So. That's kind of my take on it. I mean, what about you guys? Like, do you have any, you know, thoughts on, like, because I, I don't know, like, our, I know Tony's seen a lot of, you know, or at least a, a few episodes of the series and everything. Like, Mike, are you completely fresh on this? Like, is this your first Tiger and Bunny viewing experience? No, I, I've seen the first two episodes. So, like, okay. I, I had a basic framework of how the series worked. So, and I kind of worked out the rest on my own. So, not like I wasn't lost. Like, I, I kind of I, I caught on pretty quickly. But I, I enjoyed it. I mean, uh, what do you call? It? I thought it had really good animation. It was a decent story. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I might have the same kind of nitpicks you do. And also, I was kind of thinking like when when. He, when he absorbed that the like the dude the Schneider guy like in into himself, I was like, man, you had that guy for like twenty minutes. If you really wanted him dead, you could have just like squished him or whatever. But I guess he wanted to get away with him and kill him at, at his leisure. You know. Just uh, yeah, I, I guess I guess he he was more kind of like I want to punish you in front of the people and you're gonna pay. Like I, I think I think he not only wanted to squish him but like destroy his reputation and reveal like exactly what he had done to his father. I think there there was was that kind of aspect to to that guy. It was more self importance than than yeah. actually getting getting the, the job done, I guess. I mean like other than no, those nitpicks, I mean I liked it. I could go for the no prize in that like Scott was so focused on fighting the, the, the good guys, he couldn't do what he wanted to to like Schneider, I guess. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. There's that. As far as my final verdict, as Judge Lunatic, 
I really enjoyed it. I thought it was really fun. I think if I had one qualm with this, and this is really funny considering that Tiger is Derek's favorite character in the series, at the end, I, I, I don't know. Maybe it's just me, but I didn't feel like Tiger had a lot to do. Yes, he did in the big bad guy, but I kind of wanted like a big hero moment for him just by himself. See, yeah, like he I, had to, I, I see what you're saying. It's like he sort of got paired off with Lunatic, and it's like, oh, you know, hold Lunatic off at bay for, for a while. And then after that, you're just kind of like, oh, okay, well, he gets to do the big finish with Kotetsu, but... Or, or with uh, Barnaby, but yeah, I, I guess I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't ruin the movie in any way, because, I mean, it is called Tiger Bunny, not just Tiger, look at me, but as you said, like, Tiger is kind of our focus point. It's like, we like Barnaby, he's cool, he's kind of like Batman, Batman and Iron Man, but, you know, Kotetsu is our is our touchstone, you know, he's the guy we're like, oh, man, he's racing a kid by himself, you know, he's he's the old school vanguard, you want you want to see him have that cool moment. I guess one of his cool moments, which I, I found really entertaining, is he's getting pulled through the city by Scott's, like, big automaton and everything. And at some point, there's a balloon going by him. And he's like, bit, bit, balloon? And he just grabs it, and as he swings by, he gives it to a kid. And I'm like, that's some old-school Silver Age goodness. I can get down with that, you know? Yeah, and it does it does come back to, to aid him, you know, when he's kind of doubting himself. Like, should <laughs> yeah. I really... Should I really still be doing this? And that kid's like, "You're my hero, Mr. Tiger. Like you're the you're the shit, Mr. Tiger. Like you should keep doing it." And then that kind of rolls into the whole popular crowd opinion. You know, basically, be, those those people were all sort of for him. You know, so that that I guess gave him that level of approval and confirmation that that he needed. And he's like, "Ah, what the hell? Like let's let's keep doing this." You know? Yeah, I, I, uh, I mean, that's that's really a nitpick just because. I'm Mike, you, I do like the Tiger character, but as far as, like, a whole movie by itself, even if you haven't watched the series, I wasn't lost. I mean, I, I could figure out everything. I mean, it does help to watch a little bit, but, yeah, I wasn't lost, and I, I enjoyed it. I thought, it was, like Mike said, the animation is really good. The ending battle, maybe not so much, but, like, for, like, over half of it, really nicely done. I like the designs. I like how everything looks. So, yeah, I would definitely give it a shot. Yeah, definitely look at it. Yeah, I mean, especially if, you, if you're if you a person that likes comic books and likes superheroes, and even if you're adverse normally to anime, I mean, I think I think this might be, like, some kind of gateway thing or, or some kind of exception to that rule where, you know, because of the the theme and the, the context of the story and everything, you, you may be able to get into this a bit more than you would other anime, you know, just based on the fact that these are, like, legitimately superheroes, and then it's a cool little twist in that, you know, it's got that that weird sort of booster gold young blood reality TV thing going on, and at the same time, it, you know, it's still kind of fun old school superheroic action type stuff as well. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. That's right! Just watching you on screen always cheers me up. Who cares if you only last a minute? We like to see you giving everything you got. Yeah. Hang in there, Tiger. You're terrific. You're our hero, Mr. Tiger. Tiger, 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 Tiger. Okay, well, I mean, I guess that wraps up our thoughts on Tiger and Bunny the Rising. We hope you've enjoyed listening to our pontifications on that film. But 
Now we will move on to our regularly scheduled segment of the week, and that is, of course, what is awesome in your world this week, and that's where we normally just discuss something cool, whether it be a book, a comic, a film, a toy, uh, you know, anything that's that's super awesome in our realm of geekdom. We, you know, we just like to bring it up and, you know, share it with the class. So I'm, I'm looking at a crazy avatar of... Tony the Tiger and what is that? Beast Wars Neo <laughs> Stampy. Uh, Stampy? Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> so basically that's that's some clever photoshopping from our good buddy Mike. And just wanted to point that out, give you a shout out because it is kind of humorous. But I'm just curious, what is your awesome thing of the week? I saw Jurassic World this past weekend and uh like I, I enjoyed it. I mean, it wasn't like obviously it takes a lot for a sequel to be better than the first one anymore. And, you know, obviously Jurassic Park is a classic movie and probably one of my like top 20 favorite movies of all time. So I didn't think it was ever going to be better than that, but I enjoyed it. I mean, I think it kind of tried to wipe away a couple like issues with the last two movies. Like I felt like the end, they were trying to give like the Tyrannosaurus its balls back after it got its wallet stolen. Number three. So like, or, or well, it felt like it get, it got its balls back for like a few minutes. Then they took one of the balls away again. And, and it's kind of, it's kind of like the end of justice league unlimited where Superman's like, I'm awesome. And then I'm going to get electrocuted again. Yeah. It's like the, the <laughs> last, like, I don't like I don't know if you guys are planning on seeing it but like the last fight is basically like I described it as Batman and Robin versus Azrael and then all of a sudden Aquaman comes in to help at the end so 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 does that uh, who is the T-Rex in that do, analogy Do you want me to spoil it or do you guys mind do, I don't know I don't mind but I don't know if Tony minds so if Tony minds I'll I'll leave it up to him I plan on seeing it but it's fucking dinosaurs spoiler ahoy all right. Okay, well, like, in the movie, they, like, the whole, like, the main bad guy of the movie is the Indominus Rex, which is basically, like, a, yeah, yeah. a hybrid dinosaur that they created in the lab. And, like, obviously, like, part of the, the hybrid is, like, a Tyrannosaur. And, like, all through the movie, they're like, I don't know what the other part of the hybrid is. And then it turns out it's, like, a Raptor-Tyrannosaur hybrid. So, like, it's, so it's, like, the most badass dinosaur ever or whatever. But in whatever case, like, at the end, like, they release the T-Rex to fight it. And, like, at first the T-Rex starts kicking its ass. But then, yeah, it gets, like, you know, the, the Superman, Ooh, and, like, falls over. And <laughs> but then, like, the, the one of the raptors who, like, Chris Pratt, like, had, like, this bond with this pack of raptors that he was working with. So, like, all of them get killed except one of them. And then the one last raptor comes in and, like, helps the T-Rex. So it's, like... The T-Rex and uh, and the Raptor are like Batman and Robin, and they fight like Azrael, who is like the Indominus Rex, right? So they, they like kick his ass. The lawn come up out of the, the ocean. And then, yeah, and then they knock it to the edge of the water, and the friggin' like Mosasaurus or whatever, you know, the giant like aquatic thing just grabs the Indominus Rex and drags it under. And, you know, like Aquaman <laughs> came in at the end to save them. He's like. I, I am part of the Order of St. Dumas. And Aquaman's like, eat fish. <laughs> <laughs> yes. 
is it, that's, isn't that's, that uh, that one scene from the trailer where that big fish coming up to like snap something? Is that the same? Yeah, that, that thing. It's yeah, it's a mosasaurus. Yeah, it's like a big yeah, wow, aquatic thingamajig. But yeah, so but nice. no, I mean it, it was an enjoyable movie. I, mean, um, I like I like uh oh I like Terry that the. Biblical dinosaur owns the scientific dinosaur. Yes, I guess so. Yeah. So I, I mean, I, I like Opie's daughter. So she was uh, what do you call? It? She was nice to like have around for two hours. And uh, Chris Pratt was Hello. pretty decent. Hello, Star Lord. I am Doctor Opie's daughter. How are you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's exactly how it went. But uh, and then um, the only thing I would say is like I was kind of sad that no like there was only one character from the original like movie in it, and it it was that Asian doctor who was like in the lab at the beginning of the original Jurassic Park, or when you know the raptors are hatching, and he's like you know how do the the guys are what is Sam Neill and is like you know how do they, how do you know that they don't mate, and the guy's like oh they're all female. Like that Asian doctor is like I guess supposed to be like the 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 touchstone character. Like he was like, but I don't think anyone barely ever even remembers him. And I was kind of like, oh yeah, that's the 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 one Asian doctor who was there. Yeah, but other than that, I mean, I was kind of sad that like Jeff Goldblum didn't show up or something. But you all remember Doctor Wrong? It's Doctor Wong. Uh, yes, Doctor yeah. Wong. Yes, I'm sorry. Yeah, exactly. So. I think it would have been cool if, like, the the helicopter that took him off the the island at the end. It's just Jeff Goldblum piloting it for no reason. Like he's just like, "Hey guys, come on!" Like, flying helicopter. It's like he's like Jeff Goldblum. Like this doesn't make any sense. He's like, "I know chaos theory." He's like, "Hey, I I used I used my Mac to hack this helicopter. Come on, let's go." <laughs> That's a lot of shit. <laughs> yeah. So, but anyway, yeah, I I enjoyed it. So, yeah, that's my cool. Awesome thing. Cool. Glad you had a good time watching Jurassic World. So, 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 what about you, Tony? What What is your awesome thing in the world this week? I I'm gonna do like honorable mentions and stuff because massive toy haul this week. I got the uh, exclusive Quick Slinger, as Derek may more fondly know him as Slingshot. So I have I have yeah woo I have a legit Superion I guess is if you want to call him that. Uh, so OG got Power Glide. OG bitch. Um, I got Power Glide who is fun. He's a he's a Legends class figure. I don't like him as a gun. Me and Mike talked about this earlier. He's he's a gun, but he's much better as a standalone figure. I think. I also got First Aid from the Combiner Wars series. Very cool character. I hate it off-road. I, I'm not going to buy them. I'm not going to buy them. And first aid is the same mold except with a new head, and I dig the shit out of them. I guess it's because first aid is a more, more likable character. I know who first aid is. I've read about him in more than meets the eye, and I just, I just like the guy. And then finally, due to Derek and Mike's not actual insistence, but just because how much they love the guy, I bought Pizza Spidey, and Pizza Spidey is basically Spider-Man, but he has a swappable head where... You can put a piece of pizza that comes with him in his hand, and he can, like, mimic like he's eating it. Really fun, like, little toys. Like, really poseable. He looks like Spider-Man. He just hits all the right notes. I really like him. He's probably, like, one of my favorite characters I bought. And, like, I am so 
tired of Spider-Man, as you guys know. I'm just like, for years, I've been tired of Spider-Man. But this figure, I was just like, this is like my childhood. This is my childhood. I got Peter Parker as Spider-Man. And I don't know. It, it makes me happy. I like him. Very Bagley-esque. Very Bagley-esque. Yeah, I, I know me and Mike both like that figure. I enjoy it. Although his, yeah, the, cool. the pizza, the pizza accessory is now permanently, permanently belongs to Lucky the Pizza Dog, though now. <laughs> Lucky. All right, just real quick, my awesome thing of the week is actually going to be a movie that I watched over the course of the last couple of days. It is Common Rider Forza and O's movie. Tizen Megamax, and the reason why I decided to watch this was, one, I was trying to, as you know, we have a Toku Thursday show where we discuss Common Rider, and I've been trying to broaden my Common Rider horizons. I was thinking since Forza has to deal with a lot of space-type stuff, and I love space, that that would probably be a cool series to check out, but also... Tony was mentioning to me that he had been checking out Common Rider O's, and he had been really enjoying it, so I decided to split the difference, and I watched the movie where both these characters are featured and team up, and, you know, conveniently, it is actually technically the first movie in which Forza appears, even though it, I guess, technically takes place between, like, the, I don't know, it's like the 13th and 14th episode of his series, <laughs> But I, yeah. I really, really enjoyed it. I, I thought it was great. I mean, you know, the, the, it is that kind of segmented feel where you you deal with the O's family for a little bit for like the first 30 minutes and then another 20 minutes you actually deal with some of the characters from Kamen Rider W which we did cover the first couple episodes on this show once so I was slightly you know on board with that and familiar with most of the sequences there and then you were then introduced to Forza for the rest of the film and then it leads to a big team up at the end and everything but I, I really I enjoyed the hell out of it and I, I really like Forza so I'm, I'm looking forward to watching that as a series, but also um, I, I get why uh, why Tony's been jonesing about watching the O's too. It's it's pretty fun. Like he he he's kind of I don't know if, uh, I don't know if you're going to take offense or not, but he, he's got that one super mode that looks like he's all Wolverine. He's got those claws <laughs> yeah. and he's all kind of badass in jungle mode and everything. So yeah, I, I enjoyed it. Uh, actually, I have seen that movie because I, I like O's and everybody says Forza is pretty good. I actually seen the movie. And yeah, it, it's really fun. Oz is really great, and Forz, he's weird, but in a fun way. His his outfit is like he's got the dual rockets punch and stuff, and he's like he's an astronaut common rider, which is very interesting. So I'm glad yeah, you liked I, it. That's really cool. Yeah, yeah, I totally enjoyed it. It was it was super fun. I mean, I like all his different modes, and and I, I as you say the the wackiness. Like I think I enjoyed the wackiness. I kind of you know I kind of enjoyed the whole uh, you know sort of love at first sight thing that they had going on with him and Common Rider and Nadesco or whatever. Like that was that was fun, and you know I yeah I mean yeah. I, I it kind of hit me on all the right levels. So I I, I enjoyed that a whole. Uh, a good great deal so so and i will definitely be checking out more and stuff like that so awesome <laughs> <laughs> rad 
All right, so I, I think that that concludes our awesome thing of the week segment. If you've enjoyed listening to our Fanholes podcast proper, of course you can find these shows on the fanholespodcast.blogspot.com. If you have any questions, concerns, feedback, angry emails, happy emails, anything like that, you can send it to us at fanholespodcast.gmail.com. Uh, we'd, of course, like to thank all the folks who like us on the various social medias, like the Facebook and people who give us some tweets or reshare our shows. I know Professor Smooth has reshared quite a few things that we've tweeted, whether it's my history of comics on film or fanholes and stuff, so shout out to Professor Smooth. We've got the Stitcher Radio where you can, you know, of course, stream rather than download. We are on Podbean and iTunes. Of course, you know, it's always good to pimp out the iTunes and, and have people leave us feedback on there if you have an iTunes account, because apparently, you know, that gets you more noticed on uh, the feeds over there. We've got all other kinds of social media where we've got fun pictures up on the Instagram and the Tumblr. So, yeah, check us out on all those different various social medias. And, you know, if you like, send us an email. If you like the show if there's some other anime that you think might be fun for us to cover you know send us an email and let us know but yeah until the next time this is gonna be derek derek wc signing off it's mike thunderwing signing off and this is tony and come on junior i know you can do better so can i can i drive no, <laughs> no. Yeah, that was funny <laughs> after the credits yeah Come on. Right? No. Come on. Yeah, after after like the Indominus Rex gets dragged underwater, like the the T Rex and the Raptor like look at each other and have like this moment. And then and I'm like I'm kinda thinking like the T Rex is like, Good job, old chum. (laughs) Way to go, Raptor! The Raptors like, holy gay, who said he's mocking out. And then T-Rex hit. さんだり色褪せない永久写真のように存在を君にも届くだろう離れていたって大丈夫だよ歌ってよ大切な言葉もささりげなく乗せていいから a billionaire from overseas made me an offer to work for. See? I thought about it, and I can't stay in this small-time joint anymore. See you around, boys. I guess we'll have to survive without him somehow. All right? Hmm. <laughs> 
Watching this for the whole duration of the podcast. Of, of, of the podcast, yeah. We'll just release it. <laughs> Tony watches TV. It'll be awesome. It'll be a new. Tony, a new if Tony can react to the TV too, like live. He can be like, No, he, he didn't. No, he didn't. He's gonna. He's what gonna do you like, do? What do you do? Oh. <laughs> he's gonna do like the Smallville thing. Yes. Oh my God. Yes. America. Oh God. Yes. <laughs> America, America, America! <laughs> all right, all right. So, um, <clears throat> we just recorded our outro. <laughs> there we go.